Welcome to the Red Leaf Wretch WrestleCast. I am here, and after four months of sitting and receiving all your emails, countless Twitter direct messages, and and among other things, the people have spoken and want a wrestling cast. Hence, the Red Leaf WrestleCast. This WrestleCast shall cover much of the world in wrestling. It won't be just WWE and what they're doing, and to prevent that from being just a bitch cast, essentially, with the state of what that company's doing. This will also cover New Japan, Ring of Honor, and various indie promotions that myself partakes in, and other people. Hopefully, my guest, this won't be just a one-and-done thing. I'm joined here with Rad Zero, a friend of mine that I've met through various other internet joinings, such as the PNG podcast. We've met a couple times there. And to start in this first episode, we shall cover, more or less, a 2018 recap before the big events happen through, through such as WrestleMania, the Ring of Honor Supercard of Honor, and the New Japan Genesis pay-per-view. They all seem to coagulate, you might say, around the same weekend. Even Impact Wrestling and Lucha Underground is doing a, a conglomeration that same week. So we're doing a recap. And to kind of intro ourselves and, uh, and our views on wrestling and going forward along the year. So I'm joined here with Rad Zero, as I said before. Uh, let's get a little background of who you are, what you're about, and uh, I put some questions in the agenda that I would love to hear from you. Rad, take it away. Awesome, JD. I just want to thank you very much for inviting me on the uh, first ever uh, WrestleCast on your channel. I really appreciate it, and I'm ready to go uh, talk some wrestling with you. I already got two uh, uh, Jack and Colas and whatnot, so... Here we are. Um, Excellent. You can't watch wrestling without drinking, it seems. Oh, yeah. No, not at all. So, uh, especially WWE. <laughs> you know, it makes it more fun that way. So, uh, so yeah, my name is Rad Zero. You can find me on YouTube, Rad Zero. I'm also on Twitter, Rad Zero 83. And uh, I'm a huge wrestling fan. I pretty much grew up on the on the product from uh, WWE to WCW, uh, WWE back when it was WWF. I am also a retro gamer, so if you're interested in any of the two topics between pro wrestling and gaming, uh, I highly recommend to check out my channel. I should be making my return to YouTube. I haven't uploaded a video maybe about a month. So I'm definitely uh, you know, ready to get back into the uh, swing of things, uh, so to speak, and talk more wrestling and discuss uh, retro gaming with you guys. So I guess uh, here we are on this first uh, ever WrestleCast. Uh, JD, again, thank you for having me. And as far as the promotions uh, that I watched growing up, as, as I just touched base on before, that was uh, WWE and WCW, um, uh, I probably started maybe around uh, the time, I, I mean, I was already aware of wrestling from the 80s. Uh, what really, I guess, attracted my attention to it was maybe those old uh, Hasbro figures. I remember walking into KB Toy Stores uh, looking for Ninja Turtles, and I remember seeing the figures, the coloring books. Instantly drawn to Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior, and one match in particular that I just really saw and it just came alive to me as maybe a, a comic book come to life was the Ultimate Warrior versus Hulk Hogan, uh, WrestleMania six over in Toronto, uh, historic match, and that just sucked me right in. And I want to say I started watching re wrestling religiously when the Monday Night War started, especially when uh, Scott Hall fired, I guess, the first shot when the whole formation of the NWO was going on. Uh, it was just must-see TV, and that really drew me in, and ever since then, I've just been a huge fan. Uh, I, I can't imagine life without wrestling, so definitely grew up on both WWF and WCW. 
Now, I guess this begs the question of which one I preferred, and I would have to say uh, WCW. I was just a huge mark for it. I would watch both, but World Championship Wrestling was where it's at, and Sting, my all-time uh, favorite superstar. Yeah, and I'm curious to what uh, two others of your favorites were growing up. Uh, definitely Hulk Hogan. Uh, the <laughs> Ultimate Warrior is what drew my attention as a kid to get into wrestling, so I would right. say those uh, those three. I'm curious, what part of the country did you grow up in since you uh, since you liked WCW so much? Oh, I actually grew up in South Texas. You would think that uh, I'd be more, yeah, <laughs> that I'd be more WWF though, being that Shawn Michaels is from San Antonio, and he is another one of my favorite uh, superstars of all time. But uh, just WCW just seemed more realistic to me. They had more uh, realistic storylines, and it came off as more of a competition versus a a show. Not to knock the product at the time, I still loved it, but WCW just seemed more real to me. Yeah, especially with the kind of formation with the, more or less the NWA and Ric Flair kind of molded it together into that realism. Oh yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> well, that begs the question then, what, what, what am I doing here? Why, why a WrestleCast besides uh, what the Redleaf Retrocast started out as? Uh, just over a year ago now, I've been doing this podcast where just started out playing retro games, pick a theme. And we play a bunch of games. In fact, the next recording for the next one's going to be with uh, Hibiki. Hibiki. Oh, nice. Yeah. A good friend of mine. He's going to be the guest. Yeah. Right. He's he's picked the theme, and he's got his own wrestling podcast, The Slam Pigs, among others. Sure. uh, So go check him out. I I implore you guys. It's on on YouTube. No problem. Easy to access. Uh, Very fun. Mostly just WWE covered, so uh, that's why you're here, because we're not just going to cover WWE. (laughs) Everything else outside (laughs) of the bubble. That's right. Well, the the reason why I've been getting hounded with a lot of emails and requests for a wrestling cast is the Redleaf Retrocast hasn't been scared to just stick with what it started out as. We do anime now, retro anime. We do modern gaming. Um... And now wrestling, but where where do I stand in wrestling? Well, I've been re- I've been I've been a fan of wrestling longer than I've been playing video games. I started this was the you could say the first geek out <clears throat> thing I fell in love with. It's it's probably among my first memories. I grew up in uh, uh, just outside Houston, Texas, hence the love that I had for the NWA and WCW and whatnot. Sure, uh, I couldn't tell you any particular matches i i quite remember that young i just remember being there and looking back at old family photos and whatnot and damn do i remember rick flair it was, it was my dad's favorite wrestler but i was always drawn to at least the matches he would have just these guys going at each other for the for what what appeared to a young child and especially in the in the early 90s actual competition you really bought into it right <laughs> Well, what promotions did I watch other than WCW? Well, I mean, <clears throat> it was WWF at first. WCW were the events. It was local television. But WWF at first had the wrestlers I loved. Like you said, Rad, with Ultimate Warrior, he was the draw. Oh, yeah. Hulk Hogan was the face. Right. But what ended up getting me was actually kind of the workers because of that whole Ric Flair <clears throat> persona and everything. It was always the Macho Man and Bret Hart and uh, even even the other mid-carters like Mr. Perfect. Those were the guys that I, I loved seeing. 
And then as it went on, you had The Undertaker come and just infatuated with maybe just branching out from that realism that I had seen the whole time. But then as soon as the mid-90s rolled around, or even the early to mid-90s, when a lot of those guys started jumping ship to WCW, as did I. And that's where the WCW just... I pretty much stopped watching WWF at that time. I would only tune in to watch The Undertaker, essentially, and Bret Hart until he jumped ship. Right. <laughs> so, my three favorite were Bret Hart, Sting, and The Undertaker. If that's <laughs> no indication. <laughs> oh, yeah. Especially, uh, I know that you have a story about uh, actually being one of those kids in the crowd getting Bret Hart's uh, sunglasses. Oh, yeah, I still have them to this day. That was, um, I want to say it was a Superstars event, but I don't think it was. I think it was more closer to a Saturday main event. Okay. Or even just a house show at the time. Yeah. But I was I was one of those kids. <laughs> I was four years old. And <clears throat> mom, I remember my mom dragging me to the front row along the guardrail. And Bret Hart just signed him. Houston, Texas. And uh, put the glasses on me. And then... Uh, the very next match, Owen Hart came out. Oh, nice! And gave me his glasses, but he, you know, he he was never one to sign them or anything. He would just do what his brother. So did. you actually have both sunglasses then? <laughs> I did. I got both of them in the same night. That was, that oh, was my. That's, Were you sitting like yeah, a corner yeah. or something right there by by ringside or? No, I was middle. I was middle okay. ring. I remember that clearly. Uh, the match I do remember the most was Ric Flair beating Doink the Clown. <laughs> That's awesome. I bet that was interesting. <laughs> That's why I think it was like a house Yeah, show. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's not something you'll watch on TV. <laughs> well, that's cool, man. I, I mean, uh, you know, if you don't mind me asking, how old are you, GD? Uh, I just turned 30 last oh, okay. month. So we're more or less uh, the same age. I'm a little older. I'm, I just turned 34, so... But uh, yeah, I'm just noticing that the wrestlers that, that you're talking about are like the exact ones I grew up with. So I guess it's safe to say that we're from the same generation. It just sounds like you got into the realistic uh, part of professional wrestling a lot before or way before I did. Well, I mean, that's just what I was exposed to first right. and foremost. That's why when WWF started, uh, I guess, being more pro more prominent uh -huh. in the South. I can only speak from experience on that. I, I don't look at logistics for those things. Uh, it's just different characters. You know, you, you, you have such an imagination as a kid. All those all those gimmicks and characters just really stand out Oh, yeah, out absolutely. <laughs> and that was part of the reason what really drew me to the old uh, Hasbro figures. I remember seeing the toy stores that it's like they literally had like every single one, you know, and every single superstar at the, at the time just had, you know, their own uh, unique character. So... That was really cool about wrestling back then. It seems that that kind of lacks in today's world of professional wrestling, uh, which is why sometimes I prefer to watch everything else outside because it seems to me that there's just better characters, for example, at New Japan Pro Wrestling, as you know. So it's just uh, amazing what's outside this uh, Vince McMahon bubble. Oh, and we'll definitely get into that. <clears throat> so the goal, the goal here of this wrestling cast is to... What, I, what I've done, Rad, is I've broken down what we're talking about and what, what, what the cast will talk about into three tiers. So I have, I have tier one listed as the WWE products, your raw, your SmackDown, your paper, your WWE pay-per-views, your 205 live. And of course, NXT, uh -huh. the more or less for wrestling fans promotion or the training ground for the main shows. And I have tier two listed as the new Japan and ring of honor. 
Very good promotions, a little bit bigger, but not quite WWE's... I don't want to say wrestling level, but for the pure draw power. Right. And then Tier 3 is basically anything else, <laughs> such as your TNA slash Impact, your West Side Extreme Wrestling, which we'll get into, Progress, which we'll get into, and others. Okay. Uh, it seems British wrestling has be- has has just exploded over the last couple years. Oh, yeah, definitely. I've noticed that. Well... Uh, besides that, I've also come up co- co- have I've watched a few uh, like cultaholic and uh, you wrestling YouTube guys and companies, um, and and a lot of them have been doing even some podcasts have been doing this uh, wrestler of the week ranking, and I'm very fascinated by this because then you get to see more or less their opinions over who's better and who's performing more. And it's not just WWE-centric. So I thought that would be something fun to do with this podcast, is have not a weekly ranking, because honestly, I don't have the time to do a wrestling cast weekly, but more or less a monthly ranking at the very least. Sure. So, starting now, upon recording, I have, I take, I'm taking the top 10 wrestlers from WWE in Tier 1, Tier two and tier three, so there's thirty wrestlers, and they'll all they'll kind of all amass a point system, you might say. You know, if you're ranked ten that month, you'll get one point, all the way up to if you're ranked one, you'll get ten points. So we'll see where we stand after April hits, with all these big pay per views happening. So I thought that would be a fun little thing to do. Okay. Requires an Excel spreadsheet and whatnot, but that's okay. It's just putting numbers on a on a, <laughs> on a text computer thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get started with the indie recap. What do you say, Rad? Sure. Take it away. Well, <clears throat> I figure we start since I mentioned British wrestling's exploding. There's a lot of wrestling promotions in Britain uh, among things like Progress, IPW, Defiant, Revolution. I mean, there's a bunch. Um, I personally... Uh, I used to watch Defiant when it's WCPW, when you can catch everything pretty much free on YouTube, but now you got to kind of pay for it. Right. So now I've just been focused on progress, and the reason why I focus on that is they do a lot of cross-promotions with a lot of the other ones. So if you watch simply Progress Wrestling, you kind of get a, a feel for what's going on in all of British wrestling. And they did just announce they're going to do a cross-promotion with WXW, the German promotion, which we'll get into later, uh, in May. And this weekend. Amazing. They're having a... So w- WXW is going to Britain this weekend, and in May, <clears throat> it's going to be the it's going to be the other way around. So that's going to be really cool. Is Was that the... Uh, <clears throat> I know that you shared the tweet with me where, I guess, uh, Tony Storm was going to be facing against uh, Dashwood? Yes, that was big... Big news coming out of WXW okay. uh, on their just after their big pay per view, which we'll get into in a little bit. Sure. They did announce Tony Storm will be facing Tennille Dashwood, aka Emma from WWE. <clears throat> that's what she used to go by, <laughs> right? <laughs> so that's going to be a good match. It sure certainly should be, anyways. Well, Rad, how familiar you are with 
British wrestling or any of these promotions or even some of the wrestlers? Uh, I'm familiar with the names. I haven't really followed British wrestling per se as of late. Uh, however, I did used to watch uh, uh, Defiant back when it was uh, what culture, and that's how I was exposed to a lot of the uh, women's wrestlers. Uh, you know, from 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 that time, uh, I know I saw a lot of matches with uh, uh, B Priestley. I know she's not from from the UK. I believe she's from uh, where Australia or New Zealand. I believe so. Okay, uh, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I am definitely uh, familiar with uh, with the names. Like I said, I just haven't really watched any of of uh, their promotions uh, recently. So I'm really uh, depending on what you have for in store for us, and I'm definitely looking forward to any results or anything you. Well, I... All right, <clears throat> the so some notable matches and wrestlers <clears throat> we're going to go through for a lot of these indie promotions, just kind of familiarize the audience uh, with, with who these people are and what to expect. Of course, they're, since they're indie promotions, they're extremely small venues. I mean, some of them have a ring with, and they and they wrestle in front of maybe three hundred people to a thousand maximum for big pay per views. Okay, and they 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 may not even have mats down. It's just a bunch of chairs surrounding ringside on hardwood floors, almost like fighting in a basketball gym. <laughs> oh man. Oh yeah. So uh, with Progress Wrestling, I, I like I like this one the most out of all of them. Uh, because you got wrestlers like Travis Banks, who's the current champion. You got Jimmy Havoc, Matt Riddle, aka the King of Bros. Matt Riddle, yeah, he's good. <laughs> Next, yeah, well, or what? I got an opinion on him, but <laughs> okay. nonetheless, he's he's over as fuck, which means he's very popular with the fans. Right. And Progress has a lot of alumni that you may you may have seen in WWE, such as Tyler Bate, Pete Dunne, and Mark Andrews. Oh yeah, absolutely. And they still wrestle there quite a bit because they're not completely full-time WWE guys quite yet. But they do show up on, say, NXT, uh, maybe an episode of Raw, uh, even 205 Live appearances. And they, they generally blow the house down with matches. Well, Progress tends to have a uh, what they call chapters every once in a while. Chapter 64 just happened where it featured what they called the Thunder Bastard match. And I had no idea what, what that even was, but they do feature... It's basically a six-man gauntlet match, but elimination style, where two guys will start, and then every two minutes, another guy will come out. So think of Royal Rumble with elimination rules by pin pinfall or submission. Okay. What do you think of that? <laughs> Well, I, I just, uh, I mean, I, I, it's not something, like I said, that I've been uh, following. This is all new to me from what you're uh, discussing right now on the on the podcast. Uh, I, I'm like, definitely looking forward to what you think about it. Well, uh, the, the, the matches themselves were very basic, you might say. Uh, there, there, was, there was a tag team match uh, for their tag titles, and they had a cool little thing where one of the... Uh, uh, the one of the partners of the champions um, got injured and had to go to the back. So the the heels kind of talk shit to him. It's like, hey, you know, if you're the champs, you can fight us by yourself. You don't need your partner. You know, you're scared of us. And and uh, Mark Haskins is, was one of those. It was uh, the the champions were Mark Haskins and Jimmy Havoc. And I mentioned Jimmy Havoc uh, because he's kind of got this British punk rock thing going on. Sure. So he's very over, and. Uh, 
what ends up happening is um, basically a two-on-one handicap match the whole time until Havoc makes this uh, rally return. But he, but what's what ends up happening is he tags himself in, and the injury was just too much to overcome, and they and they actually lost. It wasn't just this kind of John Cena. Uh, Superman type moment where the injury doesn't matter in the end. <laughs> oh man! So even sh- small indie promotions can kind of surprise you with with the right booking decisions, which leads me into their main event, the Thunder Bastard match, where this elimination style just really gets you involved in all the people. You can tell stories uh, during the match, such as there was this uh, there's this local guy called TK Cooper. He's kind of this sly heel guy where while the ref was paying attention to one wrestler who's been battling injury and has a rivalry with another guy, uh, there's a moment where TK Cooper proceeds to kick British Strong Style, which is Tyler Bate, Pete Dunne, and uh, Trent Seven. He, he proceeds to kick Bate and Seven in the nuts. <laughs> and then as the referee's turning around, Pete Dunne kicks him in the nuts oh, <laughs> and gets DQ'd. Yeah. And, and even though T.K. Cooper's hurting, he's holding his nuts, and he's in the ropes, he's got a big smile on his face, and he's like, get out of there. <laughs> Instant karma. Because you... Oh, yeah. it's I mean, it was it was great. You know, uh, that's what draw You know, it's the, it's those kind of decisions and, and booking and, and characters, as you said, right? Yeah, it sounds like... If it, Which it, is why progress is so, so fun. I guess our goal is to make it fun for the audience, and, you know, sometimes that's important. Yeah, and, and being that, they, you know, a lot of these indie promotions don't have really the time or, you know, weekly show to cut promos or make rivalries. They kind of, they kind of got to do it during the matches or just a short segment before or after via video or what right. have you. So that's what draws me to progress. Um, Travis Banks is the, is the current champion. Uh, you'll see him throughout Europe right now. He is just this very good New Zealand wrestler. He's nicknamed the Kiwi Buzzsaw. He's just a hard-hitting dude. And he's not even the biggest guy, but he gets the job done. And he had a title match at Chapter 64 with Matt Riddle. And it was a very engaging match, but here's where indie promotions might struggle. And that's the not-selling moves, where everyone seems to kick out of anything at any given time. And that's generally where what a Matt Riddle match becomes of whoever he's he's sure. facing. You know something though, I but you're you're familiar with some of these guys. Tell tell me. Tell yeah, me what you well, think. actually, where where I got familiar with Matt Riddle, and I know he used to do uh, MMA, you know, way before. I'm not a big fan of MMA, but I do follow the product from time to time. But where I was really exposed to his wrestling was actually in Evolve, and a lot of his matches they just. Oh. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I, follow, I followed Evolve on, on uh, you know, YouTube, so I was always catching up to see what was going on, uh, and, and I was just exposed to a lot of his matches, and I always thought he was just an incredible performer. You going that, uh, uh, you know, uh, touching base on, on them not selling moves and whatnot, you know, the way I see it is I just think that maybe kind of, like, prolongs the match and makes, I guess, the crowd uh, a lot more drawn to it, you know, uh, versus when you're already expecting a signature move to happen. It's like, okay, one, two, three. And it's like, oh no, it was only a two count. The match is still going on. And I just figured maybe that's when they get the, you know, the crowd in the palm of their hands. Of course, it's an art that they really need to accomplish if they're careful with it, but sometimes it might not be, you know, the, uh, the, the best decision. 
you know, uh, as far as putting on a show in front of an audience is concerned. Yeah, I, I'm not saying that it's it's not necessarily a thing you should never do. Uh, I'm just saying in the case of Matt Riddle's kind of gimmick and character, he because he comes from this MMA background, maybe that's the point, is he's really hard right. to put down easily. And it can be believable. But, anyways... Oh, sure, it can be. There's there's no doubt. Uh, which we'll get to. That, that's a good segue into going to one of my favorite promotion, indie promotions, which is WXW, Westside Extreme Wrestling, which just had their big, essentially their version of WrestleMania, let's call it. Their, their biggest pay-per-view of the, year, of the year. It's called 16 Karat Gold, which is a three-day event and a tournament to crown essentially just a champion. And it's more or less bragging rights but what these bragging rights entail is you've beaten everybody within the promotion you basically get a title shot is how that works and uh speaking of what happened in 16 karat gold and if you if you you can definitely look up a lot of these indie promotions on youtube just watching like highlight videos to see if you you'd be interested in it i i highly recommend watching some highlight videos of the 16 karat gold tournament to see what this promotion is capable of. Uh, some of the stars, um, I'll just name four here to, pri- to kind of summarize this the best I can. There are some stables in WXW, but let's focus on the individual wrestlers first. You have David Starr, who's from Philadelphia, actually. More or less a journeyman, but he's kind of found a home in this German promotion, and he's... He's a babyface, essentially. And what that means is uh, he's a good guy. He's very over with the fans. Uh, and he puts and he, and, he, and he always seems to have this uh, endurance battle with wrestlers. And the, the best example is the finals of the 16-karat gold tournament came down to him and this guy named Absolute Andy from uh, Nuremberg, Germany. And the name, Rad, may sound a little funny, right? Oh, yeah. Well, a lot of the a lot of the names in in this German promotion are kind of kind of corny, but they work. So, Absolute <laughs> Andy is a heel. He's a guy that perpetually cheats in every match he can. He'll do anything to win. Kind of, think of the Miz type character. All right. In WWE, I mean, he comes out in a leather. He comes out in a like a sport jacket and sunglasses, and he just kind of ki- he kind of blows kisses to the fans a bit with his hands. He's just got this cocky douchebag aura to him, and really sells it well. But he'll he he's he pulls out moves that you just don't think this two hundred and seventy five pound dude will do, because he's kind of stocky. He's not totally in shape, but he pulls things off. And this mat the the finals match between him and David Starr, uh, basically Andy beats the crap out of David Starr. But David Starr will not give up. He just keeps kicking out. He uh, one of Andy's finishers is the F five. Sound familiar? <laughs> of course. He hits two of them and one from the top rope, and David Starr just keeps kicking out, but he's unable to fight back. Ah, okay. And you see kind of the referee going, you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> and Andy even cheats a couple times, you know, before all that happened. Still couldn't put him down. There was even a moment where David Starr um, takes the takes the chair that was brought in and hits Andy over the head with it. <laughs> Which I haven't seen uh, a head chair shot in quite some time, because that's kind of been yeah, it's uh, forbidden in WWE. Sure. Yeah, but the the moment was 
after he kicks out of the third F5, David Stark gets on his knees, gives Andy the double bird, (laughs) (laughs) and he picks him up and does this essentially uh, fallout dominator move, and that's what finally pins him. Okay. And you see all the fans just... Everyone in the in the stadium, all thousand people, just giving him the finger. <laughs> That's awesome. And he's just got this big douchebag smile on his face. Yeah. Just all to he's like, ha ha, I win. <laughs> so there's a very good picture of him like holding the trophy up, and he, it's a it's a and a shot behind him is all the fans giving him the finger. <laughs> so so that's what they didn't want. Then he was the heel in this uh, match. I'm guessing, or is it just his yes. calling card? No, he's definitely the heel. Okay. Andy is the heel. And he plays it very well. Um, and he cheated in every match in this tournament to win. So that's what kind of makes him even more over as hated. The other two guys is the is uh, Ilya Dragunov, who's now the champion, who won, who made a surprise appearance at 16 karat gold. He was, he was this long-time... Original, you might say, of, of the indie promotion, and he was thought to be injured, totally out of wrestling altogether. Okay. I guess he was finally cleared again to wrestle, and he's just this short, scrappy uh, dude from the Soviet Union. <laughs> 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 like all of his all of his moves have uh, have this like communist type persona about him. Uh, what's his finishing move called? It's like the flying Moscow. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. So he won. He won the title. It, it, like it, when when his music hit, the whole the whole purpose of the title match on day two was uh, one of the guys beats the champion, or he won the stipulation rights for the for the champion John Klinger. Uh, he's nicknamed Bad Bones. He's the head of the heel faction in the company, and uh, this guy goes, "I might not be able to beat you alone one on one." But this is no longer a one-on-one match, so his, his stipulation was to make it a triple threat with this guy making a, bi- a major return. Just to get the title off of the bad guy faction. Which I thought was pretty cool. And it led to a really good match. Yeah, sure. sounds interesting. Yeah. So that was the big 16-carat uh, pay-per-view of w- WXW. Uh, would you be interested in watching more of this, Red? Does it sound like a, an, an indie pro- promotion to check out? Yeah, it actually does. Uh, you know, I, I've heard about it before. I just can't really say that I've actually watched the product. But now with what you described, and I know you've been tweeting about it and discussing it and uh, some of the chats that we're in, you know, it's, it's really uh, uh, caught my attention. So maybe I'll definitely check it out. I've tried to get the word out more of this. Uh, what what I think the most interesting just thing that they do differently is it's more or less like a bilingual promotion with a lot of English and German uh, stars. Okay. So you'll you'll see uh, the German stars doing promo packages or they'll talk and uh, you'll, what you'll see on the screen are, are English subtitles then and vice versa. The English stars will will speak in English and you'll have German subtitles. So whoever you are, the viewer will understand oh, what they're great. saying. I, and I couldn't help but think, you know, if this tiny indie promotion can figure this out, why can't, say, WWE do this with their foreign stars? Right. I, and I think that would be awesome. I mean, so, to have them, you know, speaking in their native language, I think the product would just come off as a lot more uh, real, going back to the realism that, that we both are a fan of. 
um, you know, and just make it interesting. I think heels sound a lot better if we don't understand what they're saying, you know, similar to what I guess happens in, in New Japan back when Kenny Omega would, you know, speak in English on purpose, uh, back when he, you know, turned into a heel, it just really worked. So I think that would work. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, I don't, I don't. Yeah, exactly. And everybody knew that he was like, (laughs) you know, fluent in, in the Japanese language. So it just, it just really worked. And I think that can come off very well on WWE TV, but I don't know. I guess their their primary focus is just obviously, uh, you know, the West uh, here in North America, and I guess they just rely on commentary to to kind of like a translate for the products uh, everywhere else. But I think that would be really cool. I mean, if we're just all watching the same broadcast and it's just kind of like you know uh, translating it like that with subtitles and whatnot, sounds interesting. Yeah, I mean, it, it's 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 a really cool, neat thing. The other thing that they do, um, because they don't have the time for promotions, is as I as I saw out on Twitter today, uh, a lot of the wrestlers with this cross promotion with Progress were kind of calling each other out on Twitter, and it led to this kind of thread, multi-thread feed of, well, if you guys want to fight, then I'll fight you too. Hey, seems like you guys want to fight. How about I put my yeah. title on the line because reasons. <laughs> Social media is another good platform. Oh, especially for these indie promotions, and it really, it really, uh, you get to see a different side of them. Um, they they stick, they use social media to stay in character, which we did, we just don't see in WWE right now, which is a real problem. You know, Alexa Bliss, for example, is facing Nia Jax at WrestleMania. We'll get into the the card in a little bit here because we'll 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 more or less speed this up a bit. Uh, but you see them on like Instagram and Twitter, like hugging it out and hanging out together and being best friends. Yeah, I, I, I totally I personally agree. don't like K-Fabe that. Kayfabe is dead. Yeah. Well, at least in WWE, it is right now. That's for sure. Um, but in w- WXW and Progress, they're they're definitely using social media to kind of get their character over. The only one in WWE I can think of that's doing this right now is Kevin sure. Owens, aka Kevin Steen, on the indie scene where he just got fired on SmackDown, right? And he changes his Twitter to just this black screen. He <laughs> yeah. changes his name back to Kevin Steen. Yeah, I thought that was great. Kevin Owens, you know. <laughs> you know, he's the only one kind of kind of not being complacent about it all, you know? Well, let's let's move on to probably one of the more controversial indie promotions oh, right man. now, and that's Impact Wrestling. Uh, what is your history with total non-staff action, otherwise known as Impact Wrestling now, Rad? You're more familiar with this one for sure, I know that. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was like my second go-to promotion, obviously, after WCW died just a year later, we got TNA. I remember uh, my friend was talking about it, you know, maybe weeks or months before, saying, yeah, yeah, you know, Jeff Jarrett's going to start his own promotion. It really came off as being, uh, you know, exactly everything I remembered about WCW. So I was just drawn to it. You know, I had a buddy that was like doing the uh, uh, renting the weekly pay per views. I think it was like nine ninety nine a week and whatnot. So we were just checking it out, and I really liked the product. So I definitely followed TNA from the beginning. Uh, still, though, at the time, I mean, I've always been a fan of mainstream wrestling, and to me, TNA just didn't come off as mainstream just yet. So I still preferred WWE, but I always felt it was an awesome alternative. And I pretty much followed uh, with it through. There was times where I just wouldn't really watch it, but, you know, I definitely would catch up. And I know this might not be a popular opinion, but being that I grew up on guys like Hulk Hogan and Sting and all that, 
I actually really liked that uh that Hulk Hogan Eric Bischoff era. <laughs> you know, we we I mean, as much of uh, we did see a lot of bad stuff come out of that, but I feel that uh, we saw a lot of good things. Uh, you know, for example, the uh, the transition uh, Joker Sting, you know, Immortal Fortune. Uh, the knockouts had incredible matches way before the women's revolution was even a term. Oh, we'll get into uh, you know, and it just women's seems... wrestling for sure in a little bit. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, great. Because I'm a huge fan of women's wrestling, and I think this has been done years and, and years way before, you know, the Four Horsemen women, which I, I adore. I'm a fan of all four of them. But, you know, way before they came, uh, you know, into popularity, we, we had matches like that going on way back when in, in Impact Wrestling. So, yeah, I'm definitely very familiar with the with the product and as far as right now is concerned i'm still surprised that it's it's continuing operations it's just amazing but what keeps me going back sometimes is just seeing wrestlers you know um uh was it johnny impact you know is one that i like uh austin aries went back eli drake is an incredible performer especially on the mic and knockouts you know such as taya and rosemary uh incredible performers i have nothing but good things to say about them but the product itself is, I think, what's suffering right now. And the name tied to their product of professional wrestling is just tainted with, you know, all the bad decisions that, that have been made these last couple of years. Well, you're, you're, you're not wrong about everything you said, that's for sure. Uh, I'd like to just make a, make a couple quick comments on what, what Impact's doing in 2018. Because that's what this is, a 2018 kind of recap. Right. Uh, we, we've, we've seen... Much of their roster gutted to start to to end last year and to begin this year. Um, they're, they're, we're recording on a Thursday night tonight, which is when Impact has their television broadcast. Well, I say television loosely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With what channel they're on, Pop TV, and wherever else it might be in Canada or and what have you. Uh, they just had their feast feast or fired um, specialty match where. There's briefcases on every corner. Three of them have title opportunities, tag, X division, and uh, world title, while the fourth one is you're fired. I think we can. it's safe to assume that EC3 is getting fired because he's been, he's been hired with the X team <laughs> yeah. for quite some time. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> and he did, in fact, get a briefcase. But who knows? They could do a swerve and then, you know, do some weird... Weird storyline. You don't you don't know for sure, but might be safe to assume on that. <clears throat> but what we've seen is they they've they've gotten rid of a lot of their highest paid performers, such as James Storm. Um, he commanded just too high of a paycheck; they just couldn't afford to pay anymore. Uh, there was recently a Twitter post that went out with Bray Wyatt taking a picture with him. So oh, take okay. that for what it's worth. I, I, yeah, I, I had a I wasn't. In- aware of that so so he already he's gone from the company yes james storm is gone from the company he just commanded he i I believe he was the highest paid guy even more than uh than johnny impact and alberto el patron oh wow otherwise known as del rio i guess he was trying to play his uh seniority card oh for sure because he's been there since the beginning um he was their longest tenured guy um and he just didn't have he doesn't he doesn't have the name power that Alberto, Austin Aries, and Johnny Impact have because they're they're all XWWE guys right now. Austin Aries, being an XWWE guy and a longtime Impact dude, he commands name value on both ends. 
and he was obviously sick with how he was being treated with WWE. So, that's the that's the state of their main event. What they got to do is rebuild their mid card because again, a lot of their mid carders also left for other other venues or some of them just straight up retired. Yeah, <clears throat> and even in their women's division, uh, a couple a couple have left. Um, uh, Gail Kim retired, longtime knockout. Right very talented performer uh she commanded uh, a paycheck of her own that was that was a lot higher because uh if i remember impact wanted to pay their women's wrestlers just as much because they were because they've built their division so much in my opinion better than what wwe even currently has because they book them so much more they book them more interestingly and gail kim gail kim and the roster if 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 you were name value, you got paid for your value, no matter if you're man or woman, which I you can respect. So they, they they what they did was they dumped a lot of salary. Now they're in rebuilding phase. They're get it looks like they're getting rid of the grand championship through some dumb storyline with Josh Matthews, <laughs> the announcer. Yeah, yeah, and it it looks like they're going to focus on the X division itself being their not just their cruiserweight, but also their mid-card belt, and then have the main impact belt, whose Austin Aries currently has as well. So it'll just take time, and it'll be interesting just to see this rebuilding process unfold. I know they went back to the uh, four-sided ring. Is that like a permanent solution, or have you heard anything on that? Um... I, I don't... It's not for sure. I think they're just testing it out, because their six-sided ring is what made it different um but we'll see we'll see they're 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 definitely down into tier three at this point for a reason (laughs) well do you have any any uh any hopes for impact going forward in 2018 especially with this lucha underground crossover going yes i'm glad you brought that up uh you know i recently just uh, learned about that as well on social media and actually i thought that was very interesting uh, you know, I always thought that Impact would, would probably strive if they kind of cross-promoted themselves with a worthy, uh, I guess, promotion. Because I know that they've done it in the past, but it's always been, I guess, other promotions the same level, if not below. And Lucha Underground, I think, is, is you know, really up there right now. And the fact that they're going to do that cross-promotion, I, I just think that's great. So as far as what I really hope comes out of them... Uh, you know, I, I hate to see uh, wrestling promotions die. You know, I, I think it's very important to have a variety of, of competition mm-hmm. out there, you know, other days other than what we see uh, primarily in WWE. So uh, hopefully that's a good thing for them. Maybe if they bring in, you know, more names. The only thing I'm afraid of, though, is that we've seen them do this and they've had so many, uh, I guess, opportunities to do that. And I just never seen it go past that uh, glass ceiling that they've hit and they've just never been able to break it. So... I don't know. We'll see what happens. But but that was definitely good news. And I really hope the best for them. Uh, since we're on the topic of what we would like to see them, what are your thoughts? I know a lot of people say, okay, well, why doesn't Impact Wrestling just die? You know, why why doesn't, you know, Vince McMahon step in and purchase their videotape library? And, you know, the rest is history. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I don't want to just see it die. Because right now, if it's not Ring of Honor... It's Impact Wrestling, and then and then there's not really. I mean, I guess you got Pro Wrestling Guerrilla, but that's like impossible to yeah. find. 
Yeah, at least Impact has a, a, a television channel that they air their product on, you know, even if it's a B or C tier channel. Yeah, exactly. And and it's not I'm not saying that Impact should die. I I definitely agree with the direction they're going. I mean, it's sad that you got to let guys go. It is a business after all. But this rebuild that they're doing, this they're start they're this starting from the ground up. Basically, how it began in the early 2000s, you have a you have your 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 few good names to go on, and you just build from there. Like Jeff Jarrett was the name which started TNA. He was the guy, and then built around him as the draw. You, whatever your feelings on Jeff Jarrett, may you know put that yeah. aside. It did happen, and it did grow in that way, and that's kind of what they're doing with Austin Aries, Eli Drake, and so on. Building from the ground up seems to be the best idea, and it seems to be what they're doing. They're uh, you know they're bringing back. Some of their older talents, such as uh, Sanjay Dutt's now on commentary. Um, PD oh, Williams. Oh, I heard about that as well. There. Yeah, yeah, it was PD Williams. PD. Yeah, yeah. So they're they're definitely getting some legacy guys in there just to kind of. What I feel their goal is to get these older guys back in to teach the younger guys, sort of the basics, on what to yeah. expect through the company. <clears throat> so I think it's okay, and hey, hey, even if they're arguably the worst promotion in America right now, it's still somewhere to start, and it's easier to build from the ground right. up than not at all. <laughs> That's what I say. Yeah, I totally agree. Well, the the knockouts division definitely didn't just come out come out of nowhere. They built that up from the start yeah. with it. I mean, that's where Mickey James went because she didn't. She was sure. sick of Braun Panties matches. Same thing with Gail Kim. Then they then uh, even even when Impact was in is in the hole, their their knockouts division has always been solid and built well. And Rosemary is at the helm yeah. of it all. I feel yeah, like. definitely the face of the company as far as the women are concerned. Well, all right. So moving on to tier two, which is the Ring of Honor New Japan. Now, this is more or less uh, self-explanatory. Uh, you know, we're out of the Tier 3 indie promotions. Uh, we don't have to go into so much detail. But it is worth discussing uh, some of the major matches and pay-per-views that have happened so far in 2018. Uh, how much Ring of Honor are, uh, do you watch, Rad? Uh, I, you know, I, I follow the... Uh... Uh, the product with everything that's going on 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 uh, you know social media, I follow it on YouTube. I uh, uh, definitely tune in. I would say if there is only one pay per view that I that I order, maybe two. It's probably Supercard of Honor and uh, Final Battle. Being that Final Battle is kind of like I guess uh, their version of WrestleMania or Starcade, if anything. Uh, but that's probably closer to Starcade. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I guess that's the best way to describe it. But that's pretty much it. So, so yeah, I'm just, you know, following the product and if something interests me, I'll check out, you know, a pay-per-view and spend my Friday night watching some uh, high-quality wrestling matches. All right. Who's who's a couple of your favorite guys in Ring of Honor right now? In Ring of Honor, um, I like some of the guys that actually cross-promote with New Japan. So definitely like the uh, the Young Bucks. Uh, they're a draw for me. Uh, Marty as well. Uh, Cody Rhodes, you know, uh 
Mm-hmm. Uh, those are, I mean, I'm a Bullet Club guy, so so definitely uh, have those guys as my as my favorites. And uh, you know, as far as what the product looked like before, you know, Adam Cole and uh, his cronies in the Undisputed Era, you know, Jump Ship. Uh, definitely <laughs> liked uh, watching uh, uh, Kyle and and uh, Fish over there in uh, Ring of Honor as well. So incredible guys, awesome you know performances uh, from them. Any match that they were in, always five stars. So have nothing good things, to, uh, nothing but good things to say about Ring of Honor. Uh, haven't really checked it out right now though. I am definitely looking to, uh, looking forward to the uh, SuperCard of Honor, but I don't think it's one that I'm gonna actually. Uh, watch. I might just maybe check it out later on or buy the DVD. Uh, uh, you know, the the two matches that I'm definitely looking forward to is uh, uh, Dalton Castle, you know, uh, defending his championship against Marty and Cody Rhodes versus Kenny Omega. Awesome story behind that. I don't know what your thoughts are with the whole uh, Bullet Club faction uh, that's going on right now, but I, I definitely really dig the story that they're doing. Well, let's hold off on Supercard Let's let's build up to Supercard with what's happened already this year, because there's uh there there was there's two pay per views, um, that that are of note, and that was Honored Reign Supreme strictly for one match, and that was Jay Lethal right, versus Jonathan Grisham. Not much of a build, but it is arguably the best match that's happened in Ring of Honor in 2018 so far. Uh, those that aren't familiar with Jay Lethal, he's an ex-TNA guy, and much like a lot of TNA Impact dudes, when the company started hit, getting hit hard, they, a lot of them jumped ship to Ring of Honor. Yeah. Christopher Daniels, um, Kazarian, Jay Lethal, I mean, the list goes on. It's it's Especially uh, since a lot of Ring of Honor guys got lapped up by WWE. The Kevin Owen, the Adam Cole, mm-hmm. the, the list goes on there. <laughs> But this Jay Lethal Jonathan Grisham match was a selling goldmine. Uh, Jay Lethal's arm was worked on by Grisham for, throughout the entire match. There was there's a moment where he goes for his signature move, which is essentially a handspring off the ropes into a cutter, in which he d- goes for the handspring and just collapses on his own head because his arm couldn't sustain the weight. So there was moments like that throughout the throughout the match that led to just. It, it it was just sold so well on Lethal's side, and Grisham just put on put on probably the best performance oh, wow. of his career. I gotta so check far. it out. Uh, that's one I, I did read about it, but I just uh, I didn't I didn't uh, tune in. Yeah, uh, the the rest of the pay per view was much to be desired, but that was the match that I took out of out of it. And then there's the Ring of Honor 16th anniversary show that they had. Uh, that featured a great six-man uh tag match for their for their three their uh their triple title Mm -hmm. the triple tag title uh it was kingdom no it was socal so southern california uncensored socal all censored against bullet club and what this plays into it that was a great match in itself and that's christopher dan socal censored christopher daniels scorpio sky and kazarian Kind of almost like okay. the old fortune, you might say, right. <laughs> from Impact against Bullet Club, and that led to just this hardcore match uh, from end to end. Young Bucks looked great as ever, uh, and then there's a third stable called Kingdom, and they wanted to do, they want to do this whole uh, pact with SoCal to to uh, get their numbers higher than Bullet Club. So there's a, there's there's a lot of cool stables in Ring of Honor, which we don't see in WWE yeah. right now. There's nothing. 
<laughs> you can. There's hardly yeah. Any it's it's uh, point. completely dead. <laughs> I guess the closest thing we have to it is the undisputed era, and they come from Ring of Honor, so it's kind of ironic. Yeah, on <laughs> and, NXT. They're, and they're on NXT. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, coming from the 16th anniversary again, you got another Jay Lethal match against Dalton Castle for the title, and that was just it. It, it not only made Lethal look like a proper opponent at any given time. It also made Dalton Castle look very strong, and he's got probably the best gimmick going around in Ring of Honor right now. And people forget he's been champion since December right. already, so it's been a while. Uh, what are your feelings on Dal- Dalton Castle? Uh, I, I'm not much of a fan of the guy, but I, I do think his character is very entertaining. Uh, you know, he has an entertaining entrance and whatnot. Uh, but I know he's definitely over, and you know, from what I've seen from different wrestling fans and on social media, uh, you know, he has a lot of guys uh, uh, behind him. You know, they, they just, uh, it's really working for him. So, I, again, I have nothing bad to say about the guy. I'm just not a fan of Dalton, but uh, he is an entertaining guy and a uh, hell of a performer. What do, you, so. what do you think of his boys? <laughs> uh, it's a, <laughs> it's a, I, I guess I, I see him more as a hilarious, uh, you know, gimmick. I just think the whole thing is funny. Uh, you know, not, not my cup of tea, but <laughs> that's what makes Dalton Castle who he is. So, uh, I, I mean, how long has he had those guys? It's already been what, about three years now, maybe. Oh man, it's been a while, but I don't know. For some reason now they're just coming into their own because they, they're, they're basically like his, think of the old Roman. For those that aren't familiar with what we mean by the boys, he's got these two guys. Now imagine like Caesar in the old Roman empire and he's on, He's on like a lounge chair and he's got these flamboyant dudes with fans, you know, if he's tired or feeding him grapes. Yeah. It's those kind of guys. <laughs> so anytime Dalton Castle gets like knocked down in the corner of mat, there they are like fanning him down. Yeah. <laughs> They're jumping it's around on weird, the ring mat, funny. like yelling at the ref. <laughs> <laughs> it's very entertaining. That's for sure. It's. Yeah. It's, it's w- worth at least checking out a YouTube video of just the boys and what Dalton Castle does. Like, even in his entrance, he, he makes him one of their footstools. He doesn't go up the stairs to the ring. He makes he walks on them <laughs> to get into the ring. Like he'll have him he'll have the boys like take his clothes off and then he'll he'll get in yeah. like, peacock pose. <laughs> they're definitely his slaves. I wonder when they're gonna snap from that. I'm pretty sure that's bound to happen sometime down the road. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know. They're definitely enter- entertaining and interesting. And that kind of goes into uh, what happened was Marty Skrull faced Punishment Martinez. This is this giant, like, Latino dude who's got this Undertaker kind of feel to him. Yeah. Um, well, Skrull beat him. He was the number one. That, you know, just a sim- simple booking decision to, to get you interested in the match. The winner of that was the became the number one contender for the title. Skrull won. As soon as the match was over, Skrull came out and like looked at him, stared him down. He's like, "Ah, I'm I'm next." So that's the super card. I'm looking forward to that match just as you are, just as much as you are, Brad. So you're gonna definitely be ordering it. Uh, I'll find a way to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Enough said. <laughs> Enough said there. Yeah. And there's a lot of wrestling to watch. Only so much money to go around. Is that gonna be on Friday <laughs> or Saturday? Uh, Saturday. So it's the same night as NXT, I believe. Oh man, that's uh, yeah, that's that's kind of um, tough. I, I I really love uh the NXT takeover, pay per views. So, 
But I don't know. I, I if if there is one match that I'll definitely pay money to to watch, it's uh, Cody Rhodes versus Kenny Omega. And I am looking forward to the uh, Ring of Honor World Championship between Dalton and Marty. So I guess we'll see what happens. But uh, but yeah, I'll probably stay in touch with you in the chat and see where we go from there. Yeah, the Cody and Kenny Omega match has been brewing for for months now. Yeah. Ever since uh, New Beginnings in New Japan, with Cody kind of turning on him. Yeah. Uh, that that kind of broke the internet, and it's led led to this match in Ring of Honor of all places. Even though it happened in New right. Japan, so that's pretty yeah, cool. yeah, that is really cool. I was expecting it to take place on on New Japan Pro Wrestling, but uh, but no, it's going to be at at the Supercard of Honor. So that's interesting. Well, instead, they're doing um, New Japan is getting the 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 golden duo of Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi against the Young Bucks. That's what's happening yeah. there. Uh, on the pay-per-view i believe that's happening this sunday but the podcast will will come out after that after that the other the other ones on the card actually have quite a bit of interest going because there's adam page against cody koto ibushi and that might have future u.s new japan u.s title implications if say Page wins the title in New Japan. Right, and Ibushi beats him at. Super I, I think uh, it seems to me that that's what they they're trying to. I I, I think uh, Page is is what they're trying to build towards, and he just might be you know that guy that they definitely want to you know push in that championship scene. Definitely focusing yeah, heavily on matches... him as well in, in this uh, Cody versus Kenny storyline. Oh yeah, because he was kind of the uh, the catalyst. Yeah. Especially after Kenny lost the U.S. title to Jay White. Mm-hmm. Uh, another match is Punishment Martinez against Tomohiro Ishii. Kind of the he's the uh, the bulldog, the the big Punisher dude of of New Japan. So that should just be a hard hitting match. Um, I'm not totally invested in that one. Uh, there's a six man tag champion match between SoCalled Censored and The Kingdom because Bullet Club's busy. Right now, with their own internal conflict, so that's stable on stable action. That's pretty cool. Uh, that should be a hard hitting affair. And then there's a world tag match, just the regular tag titles of the Briscoes, who just recently won back the titles for God. What is it, the ninth, eighth or ninth time? <laughs> yeah, they're <laughs> they're attacking veterans. They're they're insane looking, just rugged dudes. Yeah. They look like they're straight out of like Mississippi or something. <laughs> yeah. <And they're> fa- <laughs> you know they're missing they're missing teeth. They look like <laughs> I already said what they look like, but they're facing a very interesting team combination of Jay Lethal and Tanahashi from New Japan. So you got some name power there. Oh yeah, going for that match. So it's almost like two single star veterans teaming up for the first time against a a, a veteran legit tag team. I'm very interested in that one. Because what you imagine what would happen if Jay Lethal and Tanahashi win the Ring of Honor tag titles? Do they go to Japan and start talking shit? <laughs> Maybe that that's probably where it'll uh, continue. Maybe they have some sort of program, you know, brewing for the future there. Yeah, you got the Briscoes like interrupting matches in New Japan. I don't know. It seems it, th- this this conglomeration between Ring of Honor and New Japan seems to be working quite well right now. That's something that was. It seemed to start in 2017 and has really evolved 
this year with a lot of these this cross promotion. Oh yeah, and we're seeing it's it like at the the biggest Ring of Honor pay per view. Yeah, week. it's like the norm. Uh, you know, these days it's just part of the product. They go hand in hand now, which I'm a fan of. I think it's working. It's really hot right now, and and uh, I'm liking you know that that we're seeing uh, guys from both promotions on each other's uh, events. Yeah, I mean, hopefully, uh, there there's rumors on social media of going back to Impact and Lucha Underground that they're going to have kind of an invasion angle going on of just them crossing over into promotions and just causing mayhem. <laughs> that should be and cool. Yeah, so that, that that's just the rumor right now. Uh, it might just start with a few matches and, and evolve from there. Uh, speaking of cross-promotion, at uh, the 16th anniversary after Kenny King won the TV title, Austin Aries came out and and looked at him with his pile of belts in hand because mm-hmm. Austin Aries is just going going around the globe <laughs> collecting yeah. belts. And he goes, I've never won the Ring of Honor TV title and you got what I want. And Kenny King's just like, come and get it. So I expect that to be on the Supercard and I'd be all over that match. Yeah, that just would imagine be cool. Austin Aries... Walking with walking around with now five belts if he wins that. Title. Oh man, that'd be freaking awesome! All that and a banana <laughs> got, in his pocket. Oh my god, he's got right now. He's got the Impact World Title, the IPW Title, the Defiant Title, uh-huh. and there's a fourth one that I just can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> it's already too many. These. So that should be fun. Well, speaking of New Japan, how about we move on to there? Yeah, definitely. Because New Japan is ridiculous this year. Ranging from starting off with Wrestle Kingdom, as they do, with the Kenny Omega versus Jericho match. Very huge. Uh, Five stars, in my opinion. uh, It's the second best match this year for me. (laughs) Wait, so so which is your first so Uh, far? Or is that a discussion oh, later we'll on? We'll get to that. Okay, we'll get to that. Uh, you had Okada and Naito, which was very hype. Um, and then Goto versus Minoru Suzuki, which is like the hardest hitting match you've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> and then they go into New Beginnings shortly after in Sapporo and Osaka, another like three day kind of thing. Two days in Sapporo, one day in Osaka. Like I think it was like a month later, where. We saw Jay White versus Kenny Omega with the U.S. title and the fallout from that. And then Tanahashi against Minoru Suzuki for the Intercontinental title. And that was a match I basically came into my pants to. <laughs> <laughs> it was that damn yeah. good. You ba- w- w- Have you seen this match? No, th- that one in particular I haven't, but I've heard uh, real good things about it. Oh my god. It's From the get-go... It is just, it, it begins as hard-hitting, intimidating. Tanahashi's known as the John Cena of New Japan, where he just never gives up. He's kind of the face. And Minoru Suzuki, ever since the uh, the Goto match where he shaved all of his, where he lost and shaved all of his hair off, he just looks like this badass, scary dude. <laughs> <laughs> and what ends up happening is Minoru Suzuki essentially tortures the title off Tanahashi. Where the ref had to stop the match because the like Tanahashi wasn't giving up, and Suzuki just wasn't letting go of the holds. <laughs> so the the referee just goes, "All right, come on, yeah. match over." Yeah, enough. 
Like it was to me, that's the best match I've seen this year from a pure wrestling standpoint, and even the build that. Okay, went to so it. so that was the one uh, that I guess we were gonna wait on. That that's your favorite match so far. That's okay. the one. That's I thought maybe one. you were gonna uh, talk about the match between uh, Almas and uh, uh, was it uh, Johnny Wrestling over at the Takeover pay per view, which was an incredible match. Oh, don't get me wrong. That's yeah. That's an incredible. match. That's what that's I thought maybe might have been yours. I think. Yeah, I think that's still number three compared to yeah. a couple New Japan matches. Because let's let's face it, WWE just can't. It seems to have a hard time building anything these days. You know, the rivalry, a reason to fight. Um, Johnny Wrestling carried that build for that match oh, yeah. against Almas. It was good stuff, you know, the the, the performance, uh, the storyline and whatnot. But I guess we'll discuss that uh, down the road here on the cast. Oh, yeah, yeah, because that's really the only... I mean, there's only been a couple standout matches in WWE considering how many pay-per-views they'd had, their star power. But anyways, we'll get we'll get to that later. Uh, I'm curious to who your favorite New Japan wrestlers oh, are. Oh, that's, uh, that's an Red. easy one. Again, I'm a Bullet Club guy, so Kenny Omega... Um, you know, the, the funny thing is, is that I really wasn't exposed to independent wrestling or anything outside of WWE and Impact Wrestling until AJ Styles left uh, TNA. You know, then we saw him uh, end up in New Japan Pro Wrestling, straight up joined the Bullet Club, became the leader. And I noticed that they started airing a lot of uh, uh, that stuff on Access TV, which was my exposure to uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. And from then on, I, I just... Uh, instantly became a fan and uh yeah i I think that's probably what aj styles going in new japan kind of like maybe uh uh, you know just a lot of people open their eyes to the product outside of wwe and they were like oh wow you know there's wrestling everywhere else you know uh you know it's just something that that definitely really made me uh, change the channel and i'm glad that i did you know uh definitely became a, a fan of the bullet club I've always been a mark for the NWO, so it's definitely something that I saw uh, very similar to it, and I just loved it. All of AJ Styles' matches, uh, always five-star. He uh, had a lot of amazing matches with Okada. You know, that was great. Uh, When Kenny Omega joined Bullet Club, you know, the character that he revealed, uh, you know, it was like a a real-life video game comic book character come to life. It was just amazing, and I, I instantly got sucked right in. So, uh, like I said, I'm just a Bullet Club guy, so Kenny Omega is definitely my favorite. Uh, I like Okada. He always has, you know, amazing performances, uh, especially his matches with Kenny Omega. Yeah, just a workhorse. Oh, he Everything he does, uh, the exchanges that he has. Um, I forget what pay-per-view it was, but when he wrestled AJ Styles, they had, like, probably one of the greatest exchanges I had ever seen in professional wrestling. The finish was just amazing, and they kept on doing their signature moves, but kept on reversing the other one just back and forth. Um, again, I can't remember what pay-per-view that was, but that was just amazing. So yeah, definitely like Okada, Kenny Omega, and uh, believe it or not, Jay White is actually already growing on me with this new Switchblade uh, character that he has going on, and it kind of reminds me of what Kenny Omega was at the very beginning when he joined uh, Bullet Club. So, uh, you know, I have a buddy of mine on on Twitter, actually, and uh, he's not a fan of Jay White because he's a huge Kenny Omega mark. You know, that's like his favorite wrestler ever. And he sees uh, Jay White as as like a bogus <laughs> Kenny Omega, you know, a fake one. Uh, just trying to copy every move that Kenny Omega did. But 
Uh, it's definitely working for him, and I can see why a lot of people are already liking him, and I'm definitely jumping on board. So that guy definitely has an amazing future ahead of him, and he's like a young guy. I think he's like 21 right now or something. Uh, I thought Jay White's 26. 20, okay. He looks like he's <laughs> Yeah, he looks very young. Uh, still young nonetheless, but he definitely has a bright future ahead of him, and it looks like they're already pushing him into uh, you know main event storylines. So those are my top three guys. He is 25. 25, okay. Yeah. Turns twenty six this okay. year. Yeah, I thought he was a lot younger than that. Um, but still, I, I mean, I'm 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 still not totally sold on Jay White, but the new but the Switchblade gimmick is growing on me. I won't deny that. Right. He just looks like he's nineteen, so I can't <laughs> quite buy this kind of badass yeah. thing he's going for. Yeah, he still looks like a punk kid. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, I mean he that U.S. title match he had at New Beginnings with uh, Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega just carried himself as this cocky dude he's like you're not on my level um beats the living shit out of jay white there's a moment in there that stands out where jay white's on his knees and he's just getting his head kicked off and then he just he starts laughing with his shoulders like yeah okay just kick me again whatever (laughs) yeah it was a a very defining moment for him and and to just get that surprise win uh not only focuses it, it was it was just good booking overall and Kenny Omega just being pissed off. Yeah, he got the better of me, just accepting the loss. Um, it, it, the the build with constantly Jay White getting the better of him, hitting that finisher, just one-upping, one-upping, one-upping. Um, it, it, it's good booking. That's what New Japan seems to be just nailing yeah. this year. Just left and right. And, that, and it's not just with, say, Jay White. It's with how they're booking Bullet Club. How they're booking their stables. Yeah, everything. And that, that's a, what um, I'm a fan of. I, I love stables. And like you said, that's something that's really lacking in WWE. And uh, one thing that I see in New Japan's product is that it really reminds me of what WCW once was. And I, I just, uh, I, I'm glad that there's a promotion like that because, uh, you know, I'm still a fan of WWE. I, I will till the day I die. You know, we all grew up on it. But it's just a show, even more so right now. It's just for entertainment, you know. Uh, not that it's an insult to, to people's intelligence, but, you know, they, they come off as being a show, you know, they, they make it so obvious that it's, uh, it, and I hate using this term, but that it's fake. And somewhere like New Japan Pro Wrestling, they make it look real, it looks like an actual competition, you know, a real sporting event. Instead of focusing on, you know, gimmicks and characters, it's more on, you know, the performance in the ring. Uh, of course, there's, a, there's storytelling uh, leading up to the matches, but... Again, it's all realistic. Plus, I love how they go to the back after like every match and they discuss like what happened, what their you know thoughts are. It's just awesome. Yeah, that's kind of their that that's their their frustrating moments. They're accepting you know what have you. New Japan's very good at that. Now, one thing that people might have an issue with is their constant barrage of tag right. team matches that they do. Whether it's uh, whether it's house shows or or especially at pay per views, but what what they do with these tag matches is interesting. Such as, I'll just give you one example. There was a, a uh, I believe it was a six man tag match between uh, Naito's group Los Ignobles against um, whatever I think it was uh, a particular group in Chaos. And these stables are much bigger than you imagine. Like Bullet Club in New Japan's like twelve people. Chaos, which is Okada's group, he started. Um, yeah. Chaos is kind of like a mentor group, you might say. Uh, the face stable. Uh, and 
what ended up happening there was Naito was was getting cocky. He was talking shit the whole time, and one member of Chaos had an issue with him. So after the match, uh, he got on the mic and he's like, "Naito, you piece of shit! Don't be saying those things to me." Um, Naito kind of brushed him off. He's like, "Ah, you're not even worth my time." I think it was Yoshihashi, and uh, he jumps him <laughs> and spits on Naito. And yeah. Naito still wouldn't have anything to do with him. Like he he got spit on his face, and he still is just like, "Ah, you can do that. You're still not worth my time." Like that that that's what New Japan kind of does with these tag matches is they they build on a future one on one match, and it's a way for them to rest their wrestlers instead of these massive. Or just short end single matches because it, it it does a lot less uh, damage on the body. They're not as exhausted. Um, and when they do have single matches, yeah, they they have continuity to them. So, and the continuity can be best described in what happened in the New Japan Cup uh, recently, which just ended. But I'd ra- I'd rather talk about the junior heavyweight division itself first. Um, it's one of my favorite belts out there. It's not quite a. Uh, it's not. It's not the open weight title that New Japan has, where it's or for it's for part time wrestlers. That kind of feels like the universal title in WWE right now. Um, the junior heavyweights more, more of this the hybrid cruiserweight, not heavyweight division. They, I like to see it as kind of the workhorse belt. That's not the Intercontinental. The Intercontinental is that mid tier. Yeah, that's the perfect way to describe it. Uh, what, 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 what do you, what what do you think of the junior heavyweight division itself in New Japan? Because it's very unique compared to any other promotion out there. Yeah, I, I think it, it's it's awesome. I think it's great. It really uh, going back to the whole product uh, having that WCW feel. It reminds me to what the cruiserweight championship was in WCW in the mid to late nineties. It was a really big deal. I mean. They never got the opportunity to maybe main event that uh, championship belt, which I want to say maybe it might have been main evented on Saturday night, uh, if I'm not mistaken. But either way, they, they really made it feel like it was important. Like, it, it just wasn't that championship belt that nobody, you know, cares about. And, and, you know, as far as the Cruiserweight division right now in WWE is concerned, I actually enjoyed the Cruiserweight Classic. Uh, when was that? La- early last year. But now with the whole no, 205 like Live, it was, just, it's a year and a half ago. Now. Two years ago, right? Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, wow, it's already been a while. Uh, yeah, I just, with the whole 205 Live product right now, I, I just can't get into it. I, I don't care for it. It doesn't, uh, seem important, uh, to me. And this junior championship in New Japan Pro Wrestling really gives off that big fight feel. Whether it's the opening or a pre-show match, they really make a big deal out of it. And I love that. You know, every championship title means something. And that's something that lacks in WWE today. Yeah, I, even though there's... I, I think the only titles that have less meaning in New Japan is their abundance of tag team titles. Right. Especially with a lot of the stables, I think only I think they would only need maybe uh, one tag title. That's just me. Um, their original uh, instead of the instead of the uh, they have a junior tag title, a a, a six a um a three person tag title. Uh, yeah, the I think there's person. a one. I think there's one more, and then the regular tag title. <laughs> Like to me, that's that's when you got you got what I call title uh, title dilution. Yeah, it makes everything lo- seem less important. Um, luckily, New Japan hasn't done that quite yet with their Intercontinental title and their U.S. title, their more recent ones. 
Uh, but with their junior heavyweight one, they really emphasize like what to expect out of it. That's why at Wrestle Kingdom, that fatal four-way was so big between Skrull, uh, um, uh, what's his name, Takahashi, uh, Hiromu Takahashi, I believe. That's the time bomb guy, right? Uh, yes. Yeah, I hope I'm not mi- mixing up his name with someone else because there, there's a lot, there's a few last names in there that carry over. <laughs> um, and Will Osprey, Will Osprey is the the current champion, and he's he's nuts. If you haven't seen uh, even a highlight video of Will Osprey doing some of the moves he does, he's he's this British dude that just does the epitome of flippy shit. <laughs> yeah, but he's not spot fest heavy. Not so much anymore. I, I feel that not only New Japan has cut down on a lot of the the spot festy stuff, but Ring of Honor, at least in what I'm seeing in 2018, has has really cut down on just spot after spot after spot. Because that gets tire tiring. You can't. I can't. Me as a fan can't buy into the match itself because I'm just like, oh, okay, they'll take a move, get up, do another one, get up, do another one, reverse, then the other guy's fine again. <laughs> yeah, you can't do it too much. Um, Ring of Honor was notorious for that. They were kind of the the, the starters of it um, in 2018. From what I'm what I've seen so far in some of their pay-per-views, they stopped, and New Japan has stopped quite a bit of that as well. Um, especially with a few of the tag matches of note, such as Rapongi 3K against the Young Bucks. Uh, I believe that was at um, New Beginnings Sapporo Day Two, if I'm not mistaken. Very good tag match. Uh, not very spot festy. It involved. Matt Jackson taking a bad bump outside the ring, and he hurt his back, and that led to his brother Nick kind of carrying the match and them not being able to perform a lot of moves because of the brother's back injury. It was it's When you start doing things like that, like you said, Rad, it makes it more... It makes you buy into it just, a, just that little bit more, and it makes such a difference while you're watching a wrestling match. Yeah. <clears throat> Well, some of my favorite wrestlers, <laughs> before I get into the New Japan, New Japan Cup in Japan, is I love Naito. He's got so much personality and cockiness to him. Uh, the fans seem to hate him and love him at the same time. <laughs> I'm very much the same way. I'm like, oh my god, just concentrate on the matches. And I'm like, ah, I love you. Oh, whatever. <laughs> uh, Kenny Omega's a no-brainer. That dude just exudes personality in just him walking. <laughs> yeah. And, uh... For a third guy, you know, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of sw- throw a curveball here. I've been really getting into Sonata this year and what he's doing, how he's performing in the ring. But Minoru Suzuki's been knocking it out of the park with me this year. Just him in any tag match, him walking to the ring, his music hits. That's why I like wrestling. This guy right there is Minoru Suzuki. He's like my number one favorite wrestler today right now just because of his nice. personality and what he does in the ring. Right. Which now leads into the New Japan Cup. Right, how familiar are you with what has happened in the in the Japan Cup? So, uh, uh, What happened in it? Yeah, this is one thing that I'm actually uh, looking forward to hearing from you on because I haven't uh, followed it uh, whatsoever. <clears throat> so it's... It was especially interesting in the booking decisions this year, and who was in it. So uh, there were some there were some fun matches, some hard hitting uh, from Michael Elgin versus Ishii in the first round, which was just two big dudes going at each other. Sure. Very good. I recommend to check that out. 
And then there was <clears throat> Takahashi. Uh, no, Tanahashi. I'm sorry, I misspoke. Tanahashi, the John Cena of Japan, facing off against... Oh, he faced against shit. What was his name? <laughs> it wasn't Ju- the Juice Robinson match. It was... I guess this was before that. No. I, 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 it, yeah, Tanahashi against Zack Sabre in the finals. And then there was a match before that. I'll, I'll move on, because then I'll just be rambling. Um, Zack Sabre Jr. was the MVP of the tournament. You watch every single Zack Sabre Jr. match, and there seemed to be some sort of storyline built into it. He fa- his first round, he faced Naito, made, made, him, uh, made him submit. Then he faced... Koto Ibushi made Ibushi submit. Uh, faced off in the finals against uh, no, and then he faced Sonata, the up and comer who just faced Okada at the previous pay per view. Uh, mm-hmm. And the funny thing is, there, as Sonata went on through his matches, he was getting noticeably more and more injured in his legs. Something when he got to Saber just couldn't put up with anymore, and he submitted. Oh wow! And then finally. Saber Jr. faced Tanahashi, who was just coming off a couple hard-hitting victories, but also getting basically uh, tortured out of his title, as I mentioned before, against Suzuki. And Saber is part of Minoru Suzuki's stable, and Suzuki Gun, or Goon, as they like calling it over there. <laughs> so everything kind of played together in a very interesting way. Um, every match seemed to matter for later. Uh, even at that, even at one of the new, at, even at the finals of the New Japan Cup on the final day, you had Juice Robinson, who had a great match against Tanahashi. That must have been the one I was thinking of. Pin the open weight champion, uh, Goto. Okay. Just in one of the tag matches, everything plays together. The New Japan Cup was was very fun to watch. I recommend watching day three in particular. Uh, besides the finals, naturally. Because day three consisted of Yoshihashi against Koto Ibushi, which led to a couple good spots, very, very good match, and then the Naito uh, Zack Sabre Jr. match in the first round. So Naito's been on a a bit of a losing streak in recent weeks. Everything in the New Japan Cup did such a good job in booking and, and continuity, which WWE just doesn't do. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's my my comments over it. And Zack Saber Jr. just came out looking like a torturous beast with his technical skills, uh, his skinny uh, body, just going in and out of, of his opponent's arms and legs and, and manipulating joints. Um, it's they've built it up to when he faces Okada. Okada's never faced this kind of opponent before. This style, it's going to be very different. Um, they got. And and Saber joining Suzuki Gun has has he he has this more vindictive kind of personality to him. It, ma- it makes his in ring style look that much more dangerous. So coming out of the New Japan Cup, just you, you you there was so much to take away from it with new rivalries building or old rivalries going, uh, building up the talent the way they are because Sonata still looks strong. Naito's looking weak. Tanahashi looks more and more injured every day. You know, everything's building on each other. I love it. 
Yeah, Rad. I, I think I think watching at least the finals in day three is uh, is worth worth going back to. Okay. Yeah, I'll definitely check it out. Yeah, but pr- probably moving on from here uh, before we run out of time uh, is women's wrestling. That's our next topic. Excellent. Uh, so, who are your favorite three non WWE women wrestlers, Rad? Oh man, that's a that's a tough one. I, I know we've kind of. Uh discussed this briefly uh before but i definitely like uh tony storm uh santana garrett uh maybe b Priestley. i i love her character uh so intimidating i've heard she's quite the sweetheart in real life but uh, she <laughs> i guess she's really playing it well so uh yeah just uh some of my favorite non-wwe women out there and i think they're amazing performers i know you're a fan of tony storm as well uh so you know, there you have it. Yeah, I, I mean, Tony Storm's uh, bef- before uh, Nixon Newell left Britain and signed with NXT. I would have said her, but now it's Tony Storm, hands down. It's not even close. She's the current women's champion in WXW. Mm-hmm. She's, I believe, she holds two belts in Stardom currently, which is the Japanese women's wrestling program, right? Which is arguably the best women's program outside of WWE right now. Yes. Uh, barring women of honor becoming a thing which they're currently building <clears throat> and uh i love to dashwood and what she brings to the ring and her name power um but i'm not going to put her in my top three quite yet she needs to prove herself <laughs> <laughs> uh maybe that match against tony storm coming up in may will uh will change my mind but i i, I really like uh rosemary in impact wrestling oh, yeah, absolutely Another favorite of mine. I like both her and Taya. Taya Valkyrie's very interesting. She's got this lucha kind of style for women, yeah. and she's she's got power to go with it. It's it's different. Right. Um, but yeah, B Priestley definitely grew on me, especially with that Nixon Newell rivalry they had in in uh, in Britain uh, last year. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely one that I followed over at uh. Uh, Defiance back when it was what culture they had a lot of amazing matches and and uh, that's where I was exposed to uh, B Priestley the most but before I started getting into that I remember seeing pictures of her I don't remember if it was on social media or uh, Pro Wrestling Illustrated but being that I'm a gamer I know you're a gamer as well uh, JD she dresses uh, as uh, Melina from Mortal Kombat <laughs> I was a huge Mortal Kombat kid you know growing up so. That really uh, drew me to her, and when I saw her matches, I was like, "Holy crap! This this chicken go! She's an amazing performer. She had incredible matches with uh, Nixon over at at Defiant. Uh, so that's where I was exposed to both of them. So both amazing women in the ring. Yeah, we we keep bringing up Nixon Newell. Um, she's a very young, young, young talented uh, woman. She's she she got her start in Defiant. Uh, and I believe she was in IPW in progress. She, she traveled around. She just got, she was signed with NXT for the women's classic tournament Yeah, and then blew her like ACL out. And so she's coming back from injury pretty soon. Uh, so keep an eye out for her, for her big time. She's got the, one of the best, uh, shining wizards in the industry. Yeah. (laughs) But it looks, I'm, I'm very curious to what they're going to do since it looks like Adam Cole, has that move now as his finisher because WWE doesn't like two people having the same same moves. finisher, right? 
Yeah, which I, I, I don't agree with personally. Especially if it's your finisher. Who cares yeah. if it's someone else's moves? That yeah. Ty Dillinger had the tiebreaker, and then just because AJ Styles has it as a regular move, I mean, can't you can be, it. you can perfect a move, and that's your finisher. That's my that's my take on that. Yeah, I think what WWE tends to do is that they also treat their finishers and signature moves as products in itself. You know, sort of a trademark. So like, oh no, you know what? This is the uh, signature of our top guy, and that's who it belongs to. So we're gonna trademark that term. You know, that kind of thing. And they they just can't move past you know the fact that you know some of these wrestlers as you mentioned have perfected it before you know before the world of wwe and i think they should still be allowed to continue using that you know i mean you know if if, if uh bailey and again she's another superstar that i don't mind I actually adore her her performances in the ring but you know she's allowed to use that elbow drop i mean why can't anybody else right i mean thank god Kyrie Sane oh, has totally. her elbow drop. maybe it's because it looks yeah. so much different but they were going to yes, originally take I'm glad that you brought that up her. because I, I want to say that was a huge concern for a lot of fans when she was uh, coming over from stardom into the uh, Mae Young uh, tournament. And, uh, you know, they were like, oh, I wonder if she's going to be allowed to use that elbow drop. And I think that's her, you know, that's her move. And that's what makes her uh, one of the best in the ring, you know, is that elbow drop. It's just it's part of her. So I'm just so glad that they uh, allowed her to to keep it. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um we keep bringing up stardom uh it's it's this japanese women's promotion because if you've noticed new japan doesn't have women into their program stardom is a completely separate thing and one match i highly recommend is the tony storm io shirai match for the start for the uh for their big title it's like a 34 minute women's match and it's fantastic you can find it on youtube yeah (laughs) It's and Io and for those that don't know, what Io Shirai is. Um, you just don't keep up with whether it's women's wrestling or even women's wrestling in Japan. Oh, she's um, the one to check out, definitely. She is arguably the best, the best women's wrestler on the planet. Yeah. In in not only mic skills but also in ring skills. I mean, imagine Alexa Bliss Bliss's mic skills with Charlotte's in ring skills, and you got Io Shirai except you know her <laughs> own personality. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. That's that's maybe the closest way I can put it right now off the top of my head. Oh yeah, and <laughs> she probably has like Charlotte skills times ten. You know, she's just a an amazing performer. You know, takes a lot of uh, uh, you know, performs a lot of high risk maneuvers. You know, dives off the top rope. Uh, she's just amazing. Yeah, there's probably. I mean, if W if WWE would would induct foreigners into its little Hall of Fame. She would as soon as she hangs up the boots, she's she would be in. Yep, is what we're saying. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and we always bring up Tony Storm because she exudes a lot of personality just in the ring and her style, and she has this kind of chill back, defend the title persona about her. And she's and she's uh she's a, uh, I think she's from Australia, not New Zealand. Right, Australia. <laughs> yeah. Which we see a lot of women wrestlers coming out of that region now. I, I've a lot noticed. Of indie wrestlers in general. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've noticed that a lot. Uh, they have a lot of good talents uh, coming from there, especially in New Zealand. Yeah, I wonder what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> Who's training these people? <laughs> Landstorm. <laughs> They're all storms. <laughs> well, that's uh, 
you know, that's women's wrestling. The, the, the big match coming up, I've mentioned this probably twice already, is the Tony Storm to Neil Dashwood match coming out in May. Uh, that's through WXW. That's probably the women's match to, to keep an eye out, our eye out for outside of WWE. Uh, and speaking of WWE, Rad, I think it's time. We can't just not talk yeah, about it. I, especially with WrestleMania. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's time to get into it. And I think there's one topic that you wanted to discuss in particular. Probably the highlight of the week in the world of professional wrestling. Uh, well, um, yeah, so Daniel yep. Bryan's back. <laughs> I, That's, uh, yeah, why, why, why don't you uh, bring us up to speed on that? Okay, sure. Yeah, well, I guess... Uh, when was it? Tuesday morning, uh, social media blew up that apparently uh, WWE sent out an announcement saying that Daniel Bryan was officially cleared by doctors and he would return to in-ring action. So social media just completely blew up. I myself, when I saw that, I totally marked out. I was, you know, very happy for the guy. Uh, it was just so uh, sad to see, you know, such an amazing performer, especially at his young age, have to walk away and not willingly uh, you know, and, and uh, he after it was announced, you know, he came out on, on SmackDown, opened the show. Very important announcement. You know, it was uh, Daniel Bryan, the person, not the not the WWE character speaking from the heart. And, you know, we learned that it had been a hard two years since his retirement, uh, you know, walking away from him, uh, you know, that he was depressed, had a lot of uh, support from his wife, uh, Brie Bella. And, uh, you know, went to go get a second opinion. It turned out that he got cleared. Then he went to go check, take a look uh, with another doctor, same thing, so on and so forth. So he finally brought it back to WWE. They cleared him, and now it looks like he's going to be back. Uh, when is still the question. I know he teased WrestleMania. That's what the fans in the audience stated that they wanted as well. Uh, but I don't think that we're going to see it so soon. Uh, I can't remember what he mentioned, but he kind of, like... Uh, I uh, totally dismissed that idea. So maybe we'll see him down the road, SummerSlam, or maybe even WrestleMania next year. I know he'll probably have to train, work off a lot of ring rust, but I was definitely happy for the guy, and I think so was the entire world. Uh, we're going to see Daniel Bryan again. You know, this whole Yes movement is still as powerful as ever. And, uh, uh, you know, it's funny that we're bringing this up, JD, because this to me seems like Shawn Michaels mm. all over again. You know, he had his back, uh, you know, it gave out back in... Uh, 1998 was told that he was never going to wrestle again. We saw him every now and then make sporadic appearances as like the honorary commissioner, you know, or, or his little run with the NWO in 2002 until finally he came out of retirement for one match only at SummerSlam against Triple H. And all of a sudden it became uh, somewhat of a permanent solution after that. He won the world title at Survivor Series that year in the first ever elimination chamber. And then he had some of the best matches in his career, you know, uh, during his second run. So, if Daniel Bryan is able to pull this off, maybe we might see some matches that we haven't seen before. Uh, I know there's a lot of dream matches that a lot of people are looking forward to against the likes of the guys like, uh, you know, AJ Styles, uh, Shinsuke Nakamura, uh, the highly anticipated revenge match against The Miz for all that uh, talking smack that they would share. You know, so I'm definitely looking forward to that. <laughs> but I, I honestly believe in uh, Daniel Bryan and I think we will get a very successful second run. But that begs the question with, with uh, you know, how severe was his previous injury? And let's hope he doesn't get hurt again. But the fact that he's clear, he seems to be healthy enough to step back in the ring, uh, you know, one more time. Well, clearly uh, what happened on SmackDown with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn beating the living shit out of him. Um, <laughs> yeah. That was the test. Can you take a bump? 
right? Right. Um, maybe that's why they weren't hinting WrestleMania so fast, just in just in case after this beatdown, he's not cleared again because one of the stipulations in him in him coming back, as I read through WWE, is he has to go through impact testing after every match. Oh, okay. So I, really, I didn't know that. Yeah, they're yeah they're really they're really looking at how because they don't want basically they don't want what happened to sting and himself to happen again because right. sting was in the mi- middle of the match against seth rollins and he just went numb yeah that was uh that was horrible to watch it was it was it was a especially with sting being in such physical condition even at his age he was still able to take a lot of it and just one stinger just that's all it took yeah and uh they're, they they seem to be doing something like that with Daniel Bryan with his impact testing after every after every performance, and that also then begs the question: how how will this affect Daniel Bryan's in ring style? Because it's very dangerous, even for a wrestler. It's it's a hundred and ten percent, nothing nothing less. Right. I mean, even that running drop kick into the corner, he he essentially lands on his own neck every time. Yeah, yeah. So that's definitely an impact he's gonna have to keep in mind. Or will he even care? You know, if he can't do his own moves. Will will does he feel the same way? You know, there's there's a lot to take into account, but it's it's good to see him back nonetheless. Um, I suspect that he'll be back like maybe the week before WrestleMania, and him and Shane will take on Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. That's what it looks like. I'm really hoping to see that. Even if he's just doing a, I guess like a part time gig and just kind of like standing out most of the match, I, I'd be happy to see that. But again, his health comes first, so. If he isn't ready, they might want they might not want to jump the gun on that one. Right, and then what what do you do with Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, and Shane McMahon at that point? Would it be a one on two handicap match? Does Shane McMahon get a mystery partner, or is it just Shane McMahon against Kevin Owens again? You know who 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 knows what happen what's going to happen there at WrestleMania with that. But then that begs the question: Then who are your favorite WWE guys right now, Red? Uh, definitely AJ Styles. Uh, he's been my favorite wrestler for quite some time. Um, since since those TNA oh yeah days, right? and and even before <laughs> that I uh, I actually noticed him towards the end of WCW when he was uh, a tag team uh, Air Paris I believe it was called uh, I remember seeing maybe about two matches before the promotion died and and uh, he just really stood out and then finally I'm watching TNA and then I see this guy who I'm familiar with AJ Styles I'm like oh wow and then he suddenly becomes like the face of the company so. I've just always really uh, liked the guy, but I became a hardcore fan of AJ Styles. Probably around the time that he made his uh, silent return uh, to TNA in 2013 when the Aces and Eights storyline was going on. And they were trying to recruit him right. you know, to wear the colors. I thought that was amazing TV. And uh, that, that's where I, I really uh, were, you know, I just became a huge fan and I could consider him my number one. He joined Bullet Club and that blew up tenfold. So, uh, yeah, huge fan of the guy. Um, uh, I'm also a fan of Randy Orton, believe it or not. I know that might not be a popular opinion. Yeah, I, I've been really? a fan of Randy Orton since he debuted in WWE, especially in the Evolution days. I've always looked up to the guy. Uh, you know, so I, I I don't mind watching an RKO out of nowhere. Uh, so, yeah, he's probably my, my <laughs> second favorite. And... My third, uh, I would say maybe it's either between Shinsuke Nakamura and Finn Balor, but definitely those three guys. It's hard to tell based on the booking right now, though. <laughs> yeah, it really is. <laughs> oh, man. Well, that's not bad. Uh, yeah, mine, mine is for sure AJ Styles. Um, 
but I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to stick in the NXT because right now Almas has just stolen my heart. <laughs> oh man, that that guy's an incredible per- performer. That that last match that we were just discussing a little bit earlier was amazing, and I think uh, like you said, you know Johnny Wrestling had a lot to do with it. He just really carried that match and turned it into a five star match. But you see, why I like Almas is no matter who he wrestles, it, that seems to happen. Yeah, he definitely has it. Whether, yeah, he, he has that in-ring persona yeah. about him that seems to bring out the best in his opponents. Um, it, it reminds me a lot. Now, now, no way am I saying he is Ricky Steamboat by any means. <laughs> He's got a long ways to go. Sure. Uh, but, but he, I can but see he, why he does give me a lot of the same the a lot of the same feels and vibes of while you're watching that kind of match unfold. Yeah. Uh, and and what's done it is his now manager Selena Vega. Oh yeah. Doing all the talking and it's just it's it's really put him over the top. For yeah. Me. Definitely um, working well right and now. Then, and then now Adam Cole's in WWE, so I got to go Adam Cole. Dude, <laughs> hell yes, yeah. Adam Cole is is good. <laughs> Ah, so let's start with 205 Live and what's happened. So we brought up, you brought up the Cruiserweight Classic that happened like two years ago now. It feels forever. Mm-hmm. And everyone was all excited for this new new promotion, essentially, WWE's doing of, of the Cruiserweights. The Cruiserweight title's back. Uh, you get some high-flying dudes. Um, what what ended up happening is you ha- you had this gutted roster of all the guys that pretty much competed in there, but it suffered through WWE booking. Uh, and what we mean by that is it's a slew of single matches. You see the same thing over and over again, along with the booking of TV, which WWE tends to do is you, you have the guy do his five moves. As you said, Rad earlier, it's almost like part of their, their, their advertisement of that character. Right. They have these five moves. That's all they're going to do. Kind of easy to predict who's going to win. And then you move on to another match. Not really any build towards any matches. No no prolonged storyline going on. You might get one guy going, Oh, you know, you're terrible. I'm the best. And we're done. Yeah. <laughs> um, what's, what's happened is Vince, in 2018, Vince stepped aside and Triple H has now officially taken over. There was this guy called Enzo More, who was the champion of Vince uh, idea, mm-hmm. put the title on him. Well, More had his personal issues get in the way, and WWE got rid of him. Now the title's been vacant. And that's when Triple H took over, and they've had this cruiserweight tournament again, leading to up to WrestleMania. And now we have the final set of Mustafa Ali against Cedric Alexander. <clears throat> Two very good high flyers. Um, don't don't exude much personality or mic skills at all. I I, I they've kind of put themselves like with, with such guys as as Roderick Strong and Hideo Tommy and the revamped Buddy Murphy in two hundred five live now and and with this new manager uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Drake Maverick, aka um, uh, what's his name. Uh, uh, whatever uh spud rockstar, <laughs> rockstar spud, spud. Impact. yeah he's the manager now they they i think out of all the booking decisions they they i mean the matches were solid it's kind of rekindled an interest in 205 live for me and it's definitely i think better than anything raw and smackdown are doing right now but 
the end result has just it just feels like the same old WWE booking in the end, which I'm kind of disappointed at. Which leads me to believe this cruiserweight title match is just going to be on the pre-show of Mania. So we really haven't gone anywhere in the I, end. I agree. They, I think they still treat it as like the uh, the filler matches, and that's a shame because they really had a good thing going with the uh, cruiserweight classic. And I honestly thought when I was watching that tournament, I was totally drawn in from beginning to end. I liked the idea that it was a you know major world competition tournament style to see who the very best was. Phenomenal final match. Um, you know, I was like, holy crap, you know, they're, they're actually resurrecting the Cruiserweight division again, and it's it's going to be a good thing. But then this 205 Live stuff started happening, and it just came off as being a, you know, a filler show, and, and I just didn't buy into it at all. So I, I'm not really following it. I think the extent that I've ever seen is just whatever pops out while watching a broadcast, and they just kind of, like, tell you what's happening. Or actually attending a live event, I just attended a SmackDown in my area uh, late January, and I saw a match, uh, 205 Live, it was the uh, the pre-show, and uh, I want to say it was, um... oh man, I, I'm... I totally lost my train of thought. The guy that used to be uh, in TNA, uh, uh, what's his name? Oh man. Um... Are you talking about Strong, or? No, no, not Strong. Uh, the, the, the guy who did uh, the suicide gimmick in, in TNA. Oh, okay. Uh, I just uh, I'd set the his name is at the tip of my tongue. I, I'm just not thinking straight right now. But anyways, he was in a match with uh, you know some other guy. I I forgot who it was, and it, it just it totally lost you know my interest. I wasn't even the least bit interested. Uh, the crowd was dead. I think think maybe there was like one person into it. You could tell he was really a supporter of 205 Live. But other than that, it just it just didn't have that same feel. And I think the Cruiserweight Classic jump starting this whole Cruiserweight division. Uh, had a lot of potential and it just went downhill well i figured it was i I figured it was a slam dunk um especially with how the fallout was with the cruiserweight classic how popular it became you everyone got involved in the wrestlers that were in it uh and then just to book it the same as any other show and to make it a filler show because now all we see is those trademarks yeah, they 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 do the flip on the outside. They'll do their their three their two or three signature moves. They'll hit their finisher and it's over. Right. There's no real ch- there's no real buying into the match. Yeah. There's no real the performance. Nothing. It, it's you can tell it's been you know practiced or done before, maybe even multiple times before it's it's shown in front of an audience. Uh, you know, it's definitely choreographed, and and you know, uh, uh, choreography isn't a bad thing. Sometimes that can bring out the greatest of matches. We saw that done with, uh, you know, Randy Savage and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat at WrestleMania three, and it worked. But in this case, it just seems forced, and it's the same formula, you know, week in and week out. And I just can't, I can't buy into it, and I, I don't comprehend how you know any fan can actually sit through it and say, oh, that was an amazing match, you know. It's like, I can, yeah, I mean, I, I don't understand it either personally, because even even if the match is, is, let's say, good, if you've seen it before, you're bored by it. That's why, that's why, the best example I can, I can, I can put at this is, is the second match between John Cena and AJ Styles. Yes, it was a good match, however, if you put the match they had at, I think it was SummerSlam, was that first encounter? Next to the Royal Rumble match, they're almost identical, barring a couple moves put in a different spot 
or the and I want to say uh, SummerSlam was their second match. I think their first encounter was Money in the Bank, if I'm not mistaken. The... Oh, and like the the yeah, the Th- that's what it was, right? I, I think yeah. Match, okay, but... so so then yeah, we had that yeah. match at SummerSlam, which I thought was amazing. Uh, and you know something, I, I think we've had this discussion before, JD in the chat, uh, regarding that because I I attended that Royal Rumble live in person, and to me that match was amazing but i'm thinking maybe the experience of being there live might have been different on you know than, than what was projected on on tv live on pay-per-view oh sure i mean there's no doubt watching something live you get a much different feel than right just watching on tv having pizza and beer, <laughs> yeah <you know? laughs> uh, but yeah that's what 205 live just feels like i'm seeing the same guys perform the same four moves in the same way with the same result and this this uh revamped tournament for the vacant title which by the way best cruiserweight champion is vacant right now he's been the best since since the start i mean he even yeah. beats neville out <laughs> um they, they 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 put on good matches it, it didn't feel it didn't feel the same it felt like a chance for them to shine and then to just have not that I don't like Cedric Alexander and what he brings to the table as as a wrestler. Same thing goes for Mustafa Ali. It's they just don't seem to be championship material. That's that's it's it's just going to lead to a, a mm-hmm. bland champion that I hope just loses it right away so we can get someone yeah. that's actually worthwhile that will actually get people interested in in the product yeah. instead of just being a filler. Because then it's just a man. It, it looks no different to me than a mannequin. Yeah, that, that's what it comes off as. I think you described it perfectly. Uh, maybe it might even be more important if it didn't involve the uh, championship. Because, like you said, if they don't have that look of championship material, it's not going to work. You know, the fans are not going to connect to it. And I think that's what's happening with the cruiserweight division right now, as we speak. You know, these guys are still coming off as filler, maybe even rookies, and they have a strap that the fans probably feel is meaningless. You know, it just there's no connection there. Yeah, and and if rumor has it, they're about to bring in a 205 Live tag belt, which would just be, I think, a disaster. Oh, man. Yeah, they shouldn't. There's already two tag belts that feel worthless right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, you know what? That's actually a good segue into what's happening with the Raw tag team belt go- going into WrestleMania with probably the most over guy in in wwe right now which is who is braun Strowman, their big monster among men guy (laughs) Mm -hmm. he won the number one contendership for the raw tag team titles by himself and they're forcing him to basically pick a partner now there's a lot of speculation on who that's going to be um now for fun purposes because we haven't had a lot of this uh, on the podcast we've kind of just been recapping which was the point of the episode uh, my idea was the Mix Max Challenge has been going on right now for, you know, it's for a good cause, $100,000 to a, a charity, and they, they, they've got cool dynamics going in. I think this is a perfect opportunity to get rid of the Raw Tag titles and make a mixed tag championship. What do you think of this idea, Rad? Uh, I know it's not a popular choice, but I think it's different. <laughs> I think it's yeah, different. I, I, actually, bring, bring something interesting to the table. I will give you that. It is different, and it actually uh, uh, brought my interest in it because if one thing that that has been great coming out of that uh, 
uh, mixed uh, tag team tournament is Braun Strowman and Alexa Bliss. They've just really connected, and I think that people are buying into them possibly being in love with each other, which I guess works. You know, they have the Beauty and the Beast gimmick going on. So, <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I would definitely like to see that. That would be that would be awesome. But uh, even though the tag team championships, and I'm talking about both, seem meaningless right now, in the end, traditional wrestling still calls, calls for a traditional tag team championship, and I don't think that's the way to do it. But I, I do see your point, and it, it does seem interesting to me. I just can't, uh, I guess, warrant having them change the entire WWE Raw Tag Team Championship division and making it, you know, a mixed tag team championship. But it might be completely different. You know, it's I don't think it's been done before, even outside of WWE. Uh, I may be wrong. But if it hasn't... Yeah, I might be wrong yeah, on that as well. Yeah, uh, you know, either way, I, I think it's... Uh, it's definitely something different in the world of WWE, and, and that should be interesting. I mean, yeah, because all all it takes is a simple decision of of okay, so Braun says Alexa <laughs> Bliss is my is my tag yeah. team partner, and Alexa Bliss just kind of sits at ringside and maybe maybe puts in a cheap shot on uh, on Sheamus or Cesaro, <laughs> and they win the titles. Now, now one thing, yeah, one thing I will I would probably like to see is is let's say they just keep it as the Raw Tag Team Titles, but Alexa Bliss helps Braun Strowman win it, and maybe she even picks up the pin. I think that can be a WrestleMania moment in itself, highly entertaining, and it's something that we haven't really seen. Other she, than yeah, when... she she hits a DDT on on yeah. either of them um, after Strowman hits like two or three <laughs> power slams. Yeah, She's like, no, no, tag me in. <laughs> I think that would be good stuff, you know. And, and and we've seen women win titles before. You know, China won the Intercontinental Championship from Jeff Jarrett uh, all those years ago, '99. Right. Uh, you know, uh, women competed in the Royal Rumble between China and Beth Phoenix way before we had the all women's Royal Rumble match. So, I mean, I, I think something like that can, can possibly happen. And I would love to see Braun Strowman and Alexa Bliss as the uh, first ever mixed tag team representing the Raw Tag Team Championship. Yeah. And, and just for the fun booking to continue, uh, let's say they go with my idea um, with this mixed title like so like Seamus and Zero want a rematch and Alexa Bliss is like no 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 it has you have to get yourselves a, a woman partner or or something you know otherwise it's not fair uh or you know just shit, shit is talked and then you have someone like the New Day or the Usos on Twitter or over on Smackdown just calling out any team because they've they've pretty much beaten everybody or or things have gone down on that end and <laughs> it becomes kind of a cross they, they they become essentially cross promotion titles which I think there that the tag teams should have tag titles should have been in the first place. Yeah, much like the women's title. I it's, totally it's, agree. There's too many. There's too many. Yeah, I mean, if there if there's two uh, championships that need to be uh, cross promotional, it's definitely the tag team and the women's. I still feel that both uh, divisions don't have a roster big enough to warrant two different championships on two different brands. Uh, you know, no, because because in just under a year. Um, how many times have we seen the same matches? Yeah. How many teams have we seen? And it's buried? worse on the Smackdown. revival are basically non-existent. Yeah. Uh, the um, oh, what's their faces uh, uh, on SmackDown? The um, not the Road Warrior guys. <laughs> <laughs> you know who I'm talking about? Uh, the, the Ascension. Ascension. Right. The Ascension's gone to nothing one of the best NXT tag teams that have come out. Uh, 
so if you're not you if you're not using these guys, then why do you need two tag belts? That's kind of the point. That goes into the title dilution, which we're about to see yet another title introduced into NXT, uh, called the North American Belt, uh, and they're gonna have a ladder match at Mania, or at Takeover to decide the winner. It's a six man of just a conglomeration of all these newcomers, or you know. So I guess they're going for a mid card belt with that. Oh man. But that's not kind of to me. That's that's just again you're diluting not only the wrestlers within yeah. NXT, but I think it also dilutes the importance of that main title because that's what every wrestler in NXT is right now yeah. going for, along with the tag belts. If you add this third title, they already have the UK title. They don't need another one. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I don't. And again, it goes back to uh, roster not being big enough, you know, to warrant another you know mid card championship. It just I don't know what they're thinking with that. Yeah, when they introduce every single guy in WWE these days, they're yeah. all an ex-champion. All of them. Every single one. Which we never used to be able to say that. Like, winning a title it was, was huge. huge. Even the number one contender title or uh, opportunity was huge. Now you don't even have number one contender matches. Now you have someone like Roman Reigns just going, <laughs> I want that. And, they yeah. get it, and then they win it. <laughs> it it's... It, it speaks volumes when you care about the belt that they're wearing. It puts the guy above and beyond all the rest, instead of just being yet another guy on the roster, just this time with so, with with a piece around their waist. <laughs> that kind of goes into, uh, finally, finishing up with the WrestleMania discussion, with what the card's looking like right now. Okay. Uh, and this will this will finish it up. We we spoke briefly about Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn and the Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon situation mm-hmm. already. Uh, so let's talk about the tag titles since we've mentioned that just just earlier. The New Day, the Bludgeon Brothers, and the Usos are facing off with the SmackDown tag titles. This screams pre-show to me. Yeah, or definitely. Match. Um, so that's a triple threat. Then you have the Raw tag titles, which mm-hmm. we mentioned before with Braun Strowman against The Bar, Sheamus and Cesaro. Um, This is rumored to be Elias as his tag partner, kind of a force, but who knows what's going to happen there. Um, I wonder if that's going to be, like, the second match on the card, if not the pre-show as well. And even then, that still feels like a triple threat if Braun Strowman doesn't have a tag partner. (laughs) Yeah. And they're going to need some matches anyway to fill what is it like. It's like a two-hour pre-show these days before WrestleMania begins. Yeah, so they have the pre-pre-show, the pre-show, and then your main yeah. card, which is six hours oh, long. Oh my god. So, yeah, so you're going to have your two pre-show matches, then you're going to have your two battle royal matches, the men and women's, which I guess that's just going to be the rest of the roster filling out that. Um, who, who do you think is going to win the Smack ta- SmackDown, SmackDown tag team titles? Because I, I, I think... Braun Strowman's winning the Raw Tag Team titles without yeah, question. without question. Braun will win the Raw Tag Team titles. Uh, guessing over on SmackDown, I really don't care, and we're probably going to end up seeing you know the same stuff that we always do. Uh, you know, it's either going to be New Day or the Usos, um, and then a re and then a rematch against the Bludgeon. <laughs> yeah, Brothers and it's going to continue. I mean, that that's all they got going for them. Uh, you know, really, there, there's not much to say about it. Yeah, I don't think so either. Um, if Braun Strowman doesn't win the Raw Tag Team titles, then why was he there in the yeah. first place? Uh, a lot of people are liking this angle 
that he's so big and bad that he can win the tag title by himself. Maybe that's what they'll probably be gunning for. And then I go, and I go, okay, but I'm not applauding bad booking decisions, putting your most over guy in this yeah. situation. So I'm being very negative on it, but I, I've spoken what I should do, what they should do, and Braun Strowman should should have Alexa Bliss as his Yeah, that, that'll be a lot more entertaining. <laughs> I, I don't mind that at all. I like Alexa. I do too. She's she's been a great women's champion, which unfortunately seems like she's going to be on the pre-show against Nia Jax and lose the yeah. title. <laughs> no, that's what yeah. Now I know where they go these days. And again, this is another yeah. This is another case of uh, Nia Jax has literally beaten nobody. Let alone, I don't even remember the last match she's had other than against Oscar, which she's lost. Mm-hmm both times <laughs> and yet she gets a title match okay and she'll probably win that's me being negative <laughs> nancy over here because <laughs> i don't i think alexa bliss is carrying the title with vigor it keeps us interesting the the promo she cut oh, after elimination yeah. chamber just 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 yeah ran over everybody easily to take it off her at this point i think would be a mistake especially on someone like nia Jax who Who's just come off as a crybaby, honestly. Yeah. Like, anytime you look at her, she's getting her feelings <laughs> and she's crying. Instead of being this Yeah, monster. and I think that's what it's all about. She's just a draw, but as far as the championship is concerned, I think Alexa Bliss should continue being the reigning and defending champion. You know, she screams heel, probably one of the best in recent memory. And I think she should just be able to continue that run. Yeah. Um... Well, continuing on, we got two more triple threat matches ahead, which is Bobby Roode, Randy Orton, and Jinder Mahal for the U.S. title. Can't say I'm too enthused about it. Yeah, that that one is not uh, uh, one to draw at all. I totally agree with that, even though I just mentioned before that Randy Orton is one of my favorites. But I, I will say it should be interesting. Uh, you know, uh, I guess we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, maybe Bobby Roode will I take somehow... it somehow. Yeah, my prediction is um, I somehow think Jinder Mahal is going to win this just to extend the feud behind these three guys. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, And if it doesn't happen, hooray, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, for all we know, Randy Orton could win, and then that's the end of that, and then they have... I I, I just don't know what they they do. There's no story here except Randy Orton beat Rude at Fastlane. Yeah. That was it. And then Jinder Mahal squeezed himself into the title picture. Right, by beating, uh, I think he beat Orton in a one-on-one match because Rude interfered or something. It was, it, it's very it's very light and lazy story and, and booking leading up to the match. I don't doubt that the match will be okay, but I'm not invested in any way. Much like the Intercontinental Championship, which is another triple threat, Seth, Seth Rollins, Finn Balor, and The Miz. What do you think of this match, Rad? Uh, uh, as far as booking is concerned, I'm not feeling it as well. However, these uh, three guys can perform, so I think we will see an amazing performance. As far as who will win, uh, I think it's time to put a championship on Finn Balor. So he would definitely be my pick. However, The Miz, uh, one thing I will give him is he's an amazing heel. And I think sometimes it's important for a heel to have a long run with their championship and let's face it right now the Miz 
pretty much has been the face of that championship title. So I wouldn't mind him retaining, but for the entertainments alone, I think that match would be uh, pretty good. I'm not going to say excellent, but uh, it should have a lot of uh, amazing maneuvers and whatnot, especially from guys like Seth Rollins and Finn Balor. We're about to see a lot of sling blades in yeah. the match. In weak sling blades. <laughs> they're, they're not as... They're, they're, they don't look as harsh as, say, Tanahashi. Oh, no, no. Day. Nowhere near <laughs> that level of quality. It, it always looks like the dude just kind of falls down after the guy like puts his arm around him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't, I don't doubt that the match is going to be at least a good performance. What, what I don't, what I don't like is the fact that why are the, why are guys like Seth, Seth Rollins and Finn Balor guys who should be in the main event picture going for a mid card workhorse title. It, it just seems like they've been, they've been forced into this situation yeah. Um, instead of having someone like Elias, who right now has nothing to do at this point of recording, they could have easily booked something between The Miz and Elias with their personalities for the Intercontinental title. It would have been no doubt more entertaining, mm-hmm. more fun. Uh, the match probably would have been just as good. And then you have Seth Rollins and Finn Balor maybe just having a one-on-one match, and the winner gets the number one contendership. That's how I would have booked right. it. At least we would have been more invested than just these three guys going for the Intercontinental title. And probably, I think the Miz is just going to lose this to one of the two, and then they'll start battling for the IC title on their own. I, I, I think the, the two guys are above the IC title at this point. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that one. Yeah. I it, I just have a real issue with WWE right now with having no established mid-card. You don't know who's going to go for a title at any given time, and they just seem to get these matches. Yeah, so it's like if they're just forcing their main event guys into that uh, mid-card title picture. Which some people are probably for it, because Um, they're like, okay, well, it brings relevance to those titles. And I do agree to an extent, but talents like Seth Rollins and Finn Balor, I think, are being wasted as part of a triple threat for, you know, the Intercontinental Championship. You know, you would think by now Finn Balor would actually be gunning for you know, the Universal Championship or something. Yeah, the part-timer <laughs> belt, as it's yeah, called. <laughs> the part-time championship. Uh, well, well, let's get into the probably the three big draw matches. Um, uh, number one is Asuka versus mm-hmm. Charlotte Flair for yeah. the SmackDown women's title. Asuka has the streak. Charlotte has the name value. Probably the, uh, the best women's wrestler on the WWE roster right now. Asuka is definitely no slouch. She's never lost in in, in WWE yet. Uh, I think Asuka's winning this and taking the title from Charlotte. If they if they but knowing WWE, they could just lo- have her lose it at Mania. Well, that would suck. <laughs> I think that's another thing that I think they should continue is that winning streak that she has. Uh, however, I'm also a fan of Charlotte. I think she has been an amazing champion, and I'm actually really looking forward to this match between the two. Uh, I don't mind how the booking has happened uh, with that at all, and it's definitely a match I want to see, so definitely looking forward to Charlotte versus Asuka, but I, I completely agree. I mean, my pick to win is Asuka, but let's hope they don't have her lose it, because I think her winning streak is already not a big deal yet, but it is getting there, and it has so much potential, so just let her run with it. It's part of her character. It is part of her character, uh, but rem- I mean, we can't be so quick to forget Charlotte had that what twenty-one pay-per-view streak, and then it just ended against Bailey. Oh yes, that's right, or something. 
So I, I wouldn't put it past WWE to just end something yeah. in the women's division just because they're, it's they're always trying to make that mania moment, even though um, it gets lost in the shuffle of a six hour pay-per-view. Uh, oh yeah. If, if Oscar streak gets, gets, uh, gets ruined at mania just for a quote unquote mania moment. I, as you said, Rad, I don't think the streak is that big a deal yet. Right. It has to go on for like a year or two before. <laughs> yeah. Before it's beforehand. something big. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I what I would like to see is Oscar wins and then Becky Lynch comes out and they and they do like this double heel thing against her, uh, and they start T Generation X. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be pretty cool. Uh, I think it's a little far fetched, but I would love to see that. Oh, it's for sure far fetched. It's just in my in my in my own little dream head yeah. of mine. <laughs> but have, having those two like start a stable, which WWE for sure needs right now. They need something going for it, and having Oscar beat Charlotte, and then and then Lynch comes out, and they just they just put her down. <laughs> you know, they 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 do the clink, they get on the mic, and like we're here, we're gonna start taking over. You know, they show up in Raw the next day and and beat up Nia Jax or someone yeah. and Oscar. You know, it, that's how you that's how you build story. I think that'd be that'd be a lot of fun. But all I see right now is is a horrible situation of Charlotte just winning against Oscar clean. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, speaking of fun match, dream match is hopefully we get it and AJ Styles doesn't get hurt. Oh man, <laughs> yeah, I, I know, and and uh, I I think it's it's looking like that right now, unfortunately, because I I really I, the whole world wants to see AJ Styles versus Shinsuke Nakamura, and yes, we've seen it at Wrestle Kingdom before, but. This is the first time the two will meet in this universe over here on uh, in a WWE ring. Um, if something you know like that happens, I, I don't know you know how they're gonna book it to fix it. So let's just hope AJ Styles is not hurt, and not only for the the match itself, but as well for the guy. I, I just you know hope he isn't injured. Oh, it's scary. I mean, we saw him on SmackDown just kind of sitting there. He doesn't go in the ring. They book it so Nakamura beats up Rusev. Yeah. Um, Poor Rusev. I mean, that, that guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Rusev Day is so over, and he's been... He better win the Andre the <laughs> Memorial Battle Royal. <laughs> oh, man. I think he's the perfect candidate for that, you know? He better win it. Oh, God. How is he not fighting for the U.S. title? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Exactly. That... Yeah. Uh, I mean, guys like him is what that championship should be built for, not the way it's being booked right now. Oh, but back to Nakamura, AJ Styles, um, a dream match scenario. The match is, is, is it should be match of the night, uh, barring a, a barring a, a masterpiece from Charlotte and Oscar, which could steal the show. Uh, this Nakamura Styles should be a slam dunk. Yep. Um, even if they're building it like absolute crap right now, with Nakamura hardly be on TV, they're forcing him to speak. That poor guy. <laughs> oh yeah. And and Styles now being injured, it's it's becoming a travesty uh, pre-match. But mm-hmm. luckily, the match itself should be a slam dunk. Yeah, I, I think they can still pull it off. Uh, you know, if they just let AJ Styles, uh, you know, kind of rest up, and if he needs to do any kind of in-ring action, you know, keep it uh, minimal. You know, because I think that is gonna that's gonna be the match that's gonna make or break this pay-per-view. And uh, they they really need you know something, and that match like you said is already a slam dunk. It's gold even before it happens, and we've seen it before at Wrestle Kingdom. Both individuals pulled off an amazing five star match, in my opinion. 
I think we will see it again at WrestleMania. Granted that AJ Styles isn't injured and this match still takes place. Yeah. And it's not even the main event, unfortunately. Um, Which we'll get to in a second here. Who do you got winning? Styles or Nakamura? Uh, Styles. Retain, but I can see why they would want to put the strap on Nakamura. So I'm open to both results uh, either way, but if I had to watch it from an entertainment point of view, AJ Styles is my guy, so definitely Styles. I also see Styles winning just on the fact that WWE, I, I don't think they have the balls to put it on Nakamura. A guy who doesn't speak English um, can't do promos, or at least they won't let him do it in the way that yeah. he's strong strong at. Because um, the, du- the dude is walking charisma. Yeah, right on. Even, even if people like hate his style and ha- hate how WWE is pushing the guy in your face, um, they're, they're forcing him to speak. He sounds deaf uh, because he's an awkward guy at heart. Yeah. <laughs> but goddamn, yes. he can wrestle. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I got Styles winning as well. Um, which is unfortunate because then I think I think this leads to the inevitable release of Nakamura going back to New Japan if this does oh, happen. Oh, uh, uh, I think that might be a little bit too drastic, JD. I mean, let's hope that's not the case. I'm pretty sure there's so much more that they can do with him. He has so much potential. But as far as winning a match against Styles is concerned, I don't think it's the right time right now. Um, well, when would be then? Because I could see I could see Nakamura just getting frustrated at this well, point. Well, to be quite fair, I, I think he seems to be a, a team player, you know, and, and, and a top guy. And when he left for uh, WWE, he always mentioned that he just wanted to, I guess, have a platform where he can perform in front of a larger audience, you know, at a global level, instead of just being limited to his audience in New Japan. And I think he's already accomplishing that. Obviously, the world became exposed to him. And I'm talking about the casuals that are not familiar with anything outside of WWE. And he seems to be a draw, right. especially with, you know, uh, kids, casuals that just watch the product. He he has that it factor. Uh, but as far as, as when the time is right, I, I definitely see a world championship in his future. I just don't think AJ Styles is the guy to beat to get that for him. Uh, but again, I, I he comes off as a team player. Uh, he's already been put in situations where... You know, you, you, I guess, kind of feel maybe it might be a little bit demeaning, but he seems to be happy doing it. So I, I don't, I don't see him getting frustrated whatsoever. You know, I. Well, this is definitely a case. I hope I'm. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, let's hope so. Because <laughs> I love, I, I love the yeah. guy. I loved watching. I loved watching him in New Japan. I, I love totally watching. Totally agree now. with you on that. I just don't. I just don't think they're letting him out of a shell. Yeah, you can still see that there's kind of control over his uh, character, even though he still comes off as being awkward. Um, you know, WWE still has that creative control over him. Well, before we get into that main event, unfortunately, that we have to bring up the Ronda Rousey, Kurt Angle, Triple H, McMahon match. Okay. What do you think of this? What What do you think of Rousey so far in WWE? Uh, I was afraid at at first, and by that I mean I just uh, I, I I like Ronda Rousey. I think she has been uh, you know a, a major forced to be reckoned with in the MMA scene, you know, introduced, I guess, uh, women being in MMA to the mainstream audiences. Uh, so she's obviously a big deal. She's a huge draw just by name alone. But because she came from uh, UFC, I was afraid that the fans were going to reject her. So first of all, rewinding a little bit, going back to the Royal Rumble, 
instead of having her uh, participate in the Royal Rumble, which we know no fan wanted to see, I myself included, I, I don't think uh, that she was rumored to win would be a good way to introduce her to the audience. I think people will be like, you know what, she hasn't even been in WWE long enough, or debut match and she wins, that's not fair. For the workhorses like Asuka and whatnot. Oh, but, right, yeah, yeah, exactly. But I think they handled it well. You know, after you already had, you know, the winner, Asuka was looking back and forth between Charlotte and Alexa Bliss on who she was going to pick. And then Ronda Rousey appears and it worked. Uh, uh, you know, the fans bought into it. They cheered in spite of, you know, regardless of how uh, Ronda Rousey was pointing at that sign or whatever. I I, <laughs> I think it was it was done uh, uh, creatively well. Uh, uh, the only thing I did have an issue with is when she walked out and, and, you know, the smile that she had on her face, she came off as being a mark or a fan, happy to be there. But now that she's actually gotten into the zone, she's believable. You can see the intimidating face in her when she stares at, you know, Triple H with those eyes, you know, at Stephanie McMahon with those eyes. And I, I think they're handling it well. So as far as this match is concerned, I know it might not be popular opinion, but I'm actually happy with the route that they've taken. And I, I think it's going to work, and I'm actually looking forward to it. It should be inter- interesting. Um, you know, I liked the uh, contract signing that she had at, uh, what was it, the Elimination Chamber, when she slammed Triple H on the table and stuff. Uh, oh, yeah, the, the big, like, uh, half-belly in, in, through the table. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so I, I thought that was that was pretty cool. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not going to uh, knock her. I think it came off very well, and, and the piercing eyes that she had. She finally broke into character, and we were seeing the badass that we always saw in uh, UFC. So, I think it's going to be all right. And who better to tag with than you know Kurt Angle, another you know uh, guy that has you know the the real wrestler background, you know former Olympic uh, gold medalist and whatnot, going up against the king and queen of the WWE, Triple H and Stephanie McMahon. Not to mention that uh, Ronda Rousey and Stephanie McMahon already have a history from. Uh, WrestleMania 31 when they had that little interaction with The Rock and Kurt Angle already has right. a, a history uh, you know with Triple H and Seven Man stemming way before back you know during the Attitude Era so uh, it should be a fun match to watch but I, that's how I'm going to describe it as fun I'm not expecting anything five star out of it uh, the story has just been you know kind of like meh but you know it's definitely something I want to see so uh, we'll we'll see where it goes from there. I'm okay with it. I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, I'm I'm okay with what they're doing right now. I like how they're giving R- Rousey exposure. I like I like the uh, kind of behind the scenes of her training with Kurt Angle and that that serious from the heart promotion where uh, you know a lot of fans don't like how she might come off as this as this uh, glorified fan. You know she's smiling too much. Sure. At times, um, but but I. You know, just taking a step back and just looking at it from her perspective where she grew up loving wrestling. Uh, she loved Rowdy Rowdy Piper so much. I mean, hell, she, she showed up at the Rumble wearing his jacket. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that that should that should tell a lot of the, at least the hardcore fan base, like how much she does love the industry and respects it and how much she she does want to care. She, she does care about this and how much she's willing to work. Because there are video packages of her taking bumps and, and doing a lot of these moves we saw her on uh we saw kind of a uh, off the air <clears throat> exclusive on on monday night raw where she kind of just tossed uh dana brooke over her head like it was nothing <laughs> yeah um so she's doing actual like suplexes and moves as you said you know maybe that maybe this working with kurt angle is, is really really good for her and I, I i just hope they don't rush her is is my is my hope 
like treat her as as this special thing for a while get her trained in the ring first and foremost and then she can put on those matches you know ha- have some yeah. throwaway matches in in uh against like a dana brooke character that would that would be good dana brooke comes out like hey you're not you're <laughs> you're not from around these parts you're who are you in wwe that's what she said have a, have have a match with her at the next pay-per-view and you know just have her like not beat her in two seconds, but you know, a couple suplexes. Maybe, maybe she takes a couple bumps from Brooke out of nowhere, and then she just chokes her out. <laughs> yeah, that would be pretty cool. You know, just treat it, treat it as a special thing for a while until she's fully ready to to go up against a a Bailey or Sasha Banks, yeah, type type person. And, and we know um, she's here but, to stay. I mean, she mentioned that she's she's in it, you know, full time. Uh, so uh, we're definitely going to see her down the road. But like you said, I think I, we need to, or they need to build her up, uh, you know, slowly and. Obviously, this match is just going to be an attraction for Mania, but I think it's the perfect introduction to, you know, in-ring competition. And from there on out, she can work her way up by wrestling, you know, women like, you know, Dana Brooke. That's the perfect way to describe it. Because I know a lot of people were afraid that she was already going to be introduced to the championship picture from what we saw at the Royal Rumble. You know, it, it they, they kind of implied that Asuka was going to pick her uh, competitor, and I guess that Ronda Rousey would get the next one with her introduction to the company. Uh, but that wouldn't have worked. So I, I'm glad, uh, you know, that they're taking the route that they are right now with the uh, the mixed tag team match. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely uh, worth worth just checking out for the spectacle alone, and and that name power is there. So yeah. it's it's good. Um, we're we're that yeah, there we go. We we we're we're maintaining a positive outlook on at least one thing. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I I thought maybe we might have uh, been crapping all over WWE, but no, we got some positiveness going on. <sighs> But now I now I have to finally address the elephant in the room. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as our last last topic. Oh man! Uh, since we're running a bit long, luckily we don't have to talk about it too much. Because if you follow me on social media or you know me at all, I have words about Roman Reigns and the character and the state of WWE because he kind of embodies everything that I don't like. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, it's Roman Reigns in the main event for the fourth fucking year in a row of WrestleMania, and he's against Brock Lesnar champion of which the we've seen before of the part-time belt which we've already fucking seen before too yeah uh, is carmella gonna cash in her money in the bank <laughs> <laughs> uh, she's insinuating all over social media she keeps on posting oh. pictures of her with it so but i doubt that's gonna save that match alone she's probably gonna cash it in on one of the women's matches at mania so all righty um, so Carmelo's not can- cashing in. <laughs> no, uh, highly doubt that. <laughs> oh boy. So just as we made that joke, uh, cause this is just too perfect. As much as I don't like talking about Roman Reigns, <laughs> your internet crapped out. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, I guess the internet hates Roman Reigns as well. <laughs> it's too perfect. I was like, "Oh my god, it's a fucking sign." We just we just need to skip over the main event. Yeah, just like what I'm probably gonna do and just watch a highlight reel of we the match. I guess we should have just ended the podcast right after the uh, Ronda Rousey talk. <laughs> just, just just so Roman Reigns and then just cuts. <laughs> Everybody already knows what we'll be saying about him anyway. Uh, okay, so I mentioned I mentioned prior that Roman Reigns basically embodies everything I hate with modern day WWE. Yeah. Um, so, uh, people that are fans of WWE, because they do exist, otherwise it wouldn't, 
it wouldn't exist, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, think Roman Reigns is a good is a good wrestler. They like his persona. They like how badass he is. I'm like, okay, I, I get all that. But how how long does it take before you see too much of the same thing? Because I've even talked to I have a friend. He's he's part of the he's part of the retrocast here on Red Leaf. Okay. That he's he just got back into WWE and he's like, oh, Roman Reigns is cool. Why? Oh, wow. And then he and then after just two weeks, he's like, why is this guy just doing the same thing over and over again? <laughs> okay, that's interesting. I I thought maybe you were gonna say that he actually liked Roman Reigns being a newcomer, uh, you know, uh, returning to the product. Well, he um, kind of does, but even then, he's quickly he's noticed starting starting to not like him anymore. Okay, so this is not just a thing. Uh, you know, I always thought that, that okay, maybe us wrestling fans grew up and we're just not buying that Roman Reigns character, but I'm guessing everybody just sees it across the board. That's what I'm thinking. Um, so, we, I mean, we're in, we're in a group with uh, uh, Hibiki with, you know, you go to house shows, it's just Roman Reigns stuff selling like hotcakes. Because that's really all they sell at house. I mean, I've been to house shows. The, the, uh, the choices of wear are very thin. Yeah. I mean, I, I've, I've been to a multitude of NXT house shows recently, just over the last year, and Almas is the current champion, and he has nothing being sold. Johnny Wrestling is technically out of NXT, and you can still buy his t-shirts, and that's like the only thing you can buy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Like, how are you not selling the champion's merchandise? Or even in Adam... So, this is... It's getting off topic here. Um, but that's what Roman Reigns is. He's 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 the perfect example of what we were talking about on the on the early parts of the cast is WWE is is uh, their 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 wrestlers are a few signature moves, mm-hmm. their catchphrase, and then a shirt seller. That's basically what they've come down to. They don't let anyone come out of their shell. Uh, it's very rare that you have a moment like the Miz has every week. And he, it took him how long to just get to this point? Ten years? Yeah. So, to, to have Roman Reigns just be put over as this guy who always wins, I mean, it's great. You need to book people to win matches to get them over. That's like one oh. That's wrestling 101. But there does come a point when you're just like, when's too much? And I think the best example of that was at Elimination Chamber. Just a few weeks ago, where Braun Strowman does all the damage, he comes off as this monster. He's 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 just beating everybody over, and then he takes a single spear, and Roman wins. I mean, <laughs> yeah, and, and obviously Strowman was the fan favorite in that match. I mean, the crowd was just really into it. I mean, how how much do you have to hate the guy that's being shoved in your face? Where now you have for the second time on Raw, where the, who's supposed to be the bad guy, beaten the hell out of your main dude and people are chanting you deserve it (laughs) (laughs) yeah like it it just amazes me how how this is just constantly in our face um plus the uh the superman punch is the most annoying thing i've ever seen in wrestling since the big show's knockout punch (laughs) (laughs) so bland it's so bland so what what is your take on Roman Reigns and him being in this? Because I don't want I, I I just can't talk about the main event with Brock Lesnar. I mean, he, Brock Lesnar's a part timer. He's a, he's a beast. They have a book to such. Great, fine. I hate the title in the first place, so I don't care that he has it. 
the title's been booked incorrectly since the start. Yeah. Um, it was just a shame Finn Balor got injured day one, and then they made the right decision on putting it on Kevin Owens uh, in in a in a heel way with Triple H interfering, and then not, nothing really came out of that for almost a year. <laughs> and then just to have Goldberg win it, and then more Lesnar stuff. So Roman Reigns is in the main event for the fourth year in a row to reiterate, I don't like what he represents. I don't like that this is what's the current state. What is your take on all this, Rad? Uh, I just think it's it's a matter of, of booking and, and WWE realizing that he's not that top face that they've been looking for. I, I know that they're trying to find that next, you know, uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin and even John Cena, and I'll give John Cena that credit, Roman Reigns isn't that guy, and, and Vincent Mann has this idea that he's trying to really force it on us, and the fans are very vocal, and they're not buying it. And that's one thing that WWE lacks today is listening to the fans. Now, if they're seeing all this heat, uh, you know, I feel like they should just embrace it. And the only way Roman Reigns is going to get over is just make him heal. You know, I don't know how they'll do it, because even then I think uh, the heat that he'll get might not be actual heel heats, but rather just heat that nobody likes him. But it could work. I mean, okay, embrace it. We already hate the guy. Why don't you make him do questionable things? You know, uh, it's cheap. funny because I think they missed the boat on that after he yeah. beat the Undertaker. Yeah, I think they could have really uh, the second the moment that he announced that it was his yard at Raw and the crowd just totally booed the heck out of him. Uh, uh, you know, on the Monday Night Raw after out of the building, I think that's where they could seize the opportunity to make him that true heel, and and they just. They, they didn't. They they really missed their boat. And like I said, I think now, even if they do it, it might be too late. And I think the heat that he'll generate will just be the fans still not liking the guy. But again, I mean, I think it looks better on TV that he's a bad guy than trying to make him come off as the, the top face of the company and the fans still aren't buying it. You know, the, the only fans that seem to really care for the guy are maybe kids. And even then, that's probably a limited number. And some of the, I guess, casual you know, uh, uh, women fans, you know, that's not to knock who they like. I mean, everybody has a right to like who they like and hate who they hate, but Roman Reigns just has not been able to connect with the hardcore, you know, wrestling fans. Uh, you know, even some casuals might even probably boo him because that's the new thing to do today. It's like you go to an event and what's more fun than booing that guy out of the building. So, yeah, I mean, it's just become part of the show now that you just, Roman Reigns is, oh, that's the guy that I'm going to boo, you know, and, and kids might already start following suit. So it's a very tough situation, but the only way to fix it is just to embrace that heat and make the guy heal. You know, that's the only way it'll look correct on TV. Other than that, uh, you know, he, as you mentioned, he's just, he has a bland, uh, you know, finisher. Uh, people just don't buy into him, you know, being that top guy. Uh, you know, he might be able to perform an okay match, you know, at best, but, uh, just what they're doing with him is just totally wrong. And, and none of us bought into it at all. And you yeah, know where I, I think it started I, is, is I had, go I ahead. I had an interesting, uh, just to, just to chime in here. I had an interesting conversation with a friend of mine cause he's a longtime wrestling fan as well. And he actually likes Roman Reigns. Oh, that's interesting. And he's like, and he, and he argues with me all the time and I, I honestly get tired of it. <laughs> But I, I had a conversation with him last week uh, about, you know, thinking about starting this podcast um, with all the emails because he's wanted me to do one for a while as well. And he, he tells me constantly, no, Roman Reigns is a good wrestler. 
the Superman punch is, is well over. They sell it well. You know, he's very positive about him. And I go, all right, well, all right, okay, let's look at it this way. Um, I don't doubt for one second he's not athletic, because he is. He's a very strong guy. He's booked incredibly powerful. However, you would never know he's a good wrestler with the way he wrestles his matches. It's very limited. He's limited to a few kicks and punches, a clothesline. He doesn't even do the powerbomb anymore. Uh, he, he, he doesn't sell anything. What 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 gets an what get, what gets a wrestler over in a match than coming back from an in, injury? But he doesn't do that. He'll get his arm like you take a match uh, against the Miz, where the Miz will work on his arm or leg the entire time, and then all of a sudden he'll just run scot free and hit the Superman punch with that arm, and he do- doesn't sell it at all. What's worse is in the Gauntlet match, uh, which was very good by the way. Uh, I highly recommend going to check out that. That's like the one highlight of Raw this year mm-hmm. is the Seth Rollins 60-minute gauntlet match performance where he beats Roman Reigns and John Cena. But there's a moment in there where, where Seth Rollins hits, hits uh, a powerbomb into the turnbuckle, the buckle bomb. Um, a very dangerous move to people's neck. <laughs> Sting yeah. can agree with that. Yep. Uh, and Roman Reigns gets hit with it and he immediately runs out and hits him with a Superman punch. Like, that's not selling the move, and it, it just makes him look invincible. I think the, think doing things like that is what makes him so hateable, instead of coming off as a wrestler. Yeah. he's. I mean, let's face it, when, when the, mo- the Superman movie came out all those years ago, that's what they based his character off of, Superman. Hence, he punches the ground, he cocks his fist like a, like, well... You know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it, it's all just he hits his he hits his three four moves, does a few punches and kicks here or there. Doesn't sell anything. He has a smirk on his face the whole time. <laughs> just pissing everybody off while he's doing it. You know, none of these things are things that I go. Yeah, I want. I want to root for that guy. Yeah. Like I just don't see it, and that's that's what. Because it's not just him. It's 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 a lot of WWE where they're just this. They're essentially this husk of who they could be, of just this guy spouting their their few catchphrases to sell T-shirts. That's where this main event is and what it is. It's 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 not what why why you and I Rad like wrestling. Right, I totally agree with you on that. They're just treating it as the. Uh... The big fight that nobody wants to see, by the way, and uh, just because Brock Lesnar is on there, like, okay, let's put that on the main event, which I'm totally against. I mean, the whole point for the main event is the winner of the Royal Rumble to face against the the champion of his choosing, and that should be the match to close the show. But unfortunately, uh, you know, we're not going to get that. It's going to be Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar to close the show again, just as we've already seen before. I mean, that's where people seem to forget where... uh, the term, you know, Suplex City was born. And that's where Lesnar famously told him, welcome to Su- uh, Suplex City, bitch. And, you know, the the crowd went nuts. And that's where, I mean, we've already seen that. You know, what's going to be different this time? Is it going to be like an actual wrestling match where Lesnar's not just doing so many suplexes and then Seth Rollins cashed in at the end? Uh, I mean, because other than that, I, I'm really expecting the same thing. Yeah, the, the other conversation, uh, well, the other points of the conversation that came up was was two things. Um, how would you feel about 
Brock Lesnar squashing Roman Reigns. Would that would that make this any better? And to that, I would say no, because we've already seen yeah, Lesnar squash seen plenty of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not how you end a pay per view, uh, especially your biggest of the year. Like you said, Rad, it should be the Royal Rumble winner. It should be the match to make people want to watch more wrestling. Yeah, it has kind more of what, what Raw twenty five should have been. <laughs> oh man, but that's, I guess that's that could a be conversation a, for another day. <laughs> yeah, separate discussion because that was just a, a train wreck. Um, yeah, bury the revival one hundred and one right there. Uh, <laughs> Jesus. Um, so the other point that was made was, what if this match was say somewhere else on the card, like let's say in the middle, kind of what happened with the uh, the Goldberg Lesnar match last year would that make it any better and i said yeah it actually might it might have made it better the fact that not being the main event might have made the match more palatable yeah but it is the main event and you can bet your ass i'm not watching it (laughs) Uh, not even waiting for carmella to cash in (laughs) if she cashes in on lesnar i'll be like i'm turning that shit on right away (laughs) yeah it doesn't say she has to cash in on the women's title yeah yeah, that's probably the only reason. I, I, I agree with you. I'll probably end up tuning out, but I have to see the show to the very end. And who knows? Hopefully, maybe they have something up their sleeve. I don't know. Maybe the heel turn that we're waiting for. You know, maybe somebody else just coming out. I, I really don't know, but it's not a good way to close the show. And I even think maybe people in attendance will end up, you know, just picking up their stuff and leaving. Because I, I don't know why anybody would want to sit through something that yeah we've just to seen. beat just to beat all that traffic in new Orleans. yeah i've been oh I've yeah done, i've done that before. yeah it's horrible it's, it's it's brutal uh you know to get away go hit bourbon street early <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean it better go get a beer and vent about how bad the main event uh would have been so i don't know it's uh i guess we'll just see what happens but yeah if it's just uh you know another train wreck of a match and it closes the show nothing to offer us but roman reigns standing in the middle of the ring as the new universal champion or hell even brock lesnar retaining like just nobody wants to see this match at all you know uh, it's just people just are not buying into it the fact that lesnar's a part-timer and roman reigns is not being accepted really just screams a train wreck of a match so we'll see what they do it's 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 nothing but a lose yeah. scenario You're yeah i mean we're right. not going to get anything out of it um, we're, we're not going to be sent home happy so to speak yeah i'm wonder i'm wondering if all these all these uh all this talk among people like you and I will, will get to their ears. I doubt it, but I wonder if it's possible that they'll move the match to earlier in the card so people just don't tune out. Yeah. Because you know that's going to happen. I'm, go- I'm one of them. I mean... If I, didn't have a, if I didn't have a friend right now who had network access, I wouldn't have the network anymore because of, the, because of right. moves like this. It's just not a, a promotion I want to be a part of anymore. But now friends wrote me back in, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was aware of that, so. I mean, it's, as, it's inevitable. As, My $10 as, a month went to w, WXW. <laughs> there you go. Uh, do you think Undertaker's coming back for Cena? Uh, oh, well, it's a good thing that you bring that up. I certainly hope so. Um, you know, I, I really thought when they had that last match, uh, you know, WrestleMania last year, that was it. But WWE's the type that they don't put something on a broadcast unless it's going to lead to something. And I, I doubt John Cena was just speaking from, you know, the air. I'm pretty sure they are leaning towards something. 
it's going to be a surprise. Maybe Undertaker might not make his appearance until the final Raw, the go-home show before Mania, or even at Mania itself, you know? But I, I would... I wouldn't mind watching Cena versus Undertaker. I know a lot of people are saying, yeah, well, Undertaker, you know, he's hurt, he's old. Uh, you know, but but if this is a way to go out, at least have it against John Cena, not like a guy uh, like Roman Reigns, you know, last year. So I, I'm, I'm definitely seeing that. I think the fans deserve that one more match. I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but I would definitely like... I'm I'm so torn on it. There's so many things that go on. Yeah, and I, I don't blame you. I, I, said, I said at the top of the cast, Undertaker is my... my third favorite wrestler of all time like i love the guy um i just i i've been watching him my whole life i've grown up with him i mean there's a there's a pretty uh famous wrestling cartoon out there of of a uh a kid with his dad what looking at undertaker um oh yeah yeah uh, walk out i saw that that meme i thought it was and then the very next panel is that same kid now an adult watching undertaker leave with his kid that was uh that was an amazing uh like meme so to speak i mean it's 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 it speaks volumes to to what he's represented like no matter what undertaker i've seen i've always liked him even his biker persona as ridiculous as it was in a way that was like the real him yeah and like it's rumored that he might like if he's to come back he comes back as the biker guy one more time his 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 you know, dude in the back that kicks ass, takes names. Um, no, he's not the dead man. It would be nice to see him go out like that. Was that his retirement that we saw last year? Or or him saying goodbye at Raw 25? Maybe that's the lead into one more match as his other persona. He only, he only has two gimmicks, yeah. right? And his biker persona is a much easier moveset. I mean, it's just punches and kicks. Yeah, He's just there to hurt you. That a was brawler. it, mm-hmm. and a power bomb. I mean, power bomb and choke slam. It's it's more simple. I think it'd be easier on the body. It would be, I think, a better match with Cena in the end, even if he's not the dead man. Because I just don't want to see this guy just go out like he did last year to Roman Reigns. Because it was he looked hurt, he looked slow, he tried his best, and it was against Roman Reigns, who just can't put on a match longer than eight minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think this whole, uh, if he were to do the American Badass thing, I, I think that would be the uh, better option to go with. And I wouldn't mind seeing that, you know, one last time, you know, him ride to the uh, to the ring and whatnot. Like you said, I guess the whole point is not showing that he's a dead man, but rather that he's still alive and he's just coming back for one more match. And I'm even torn on that idea. I'm, I'm trying to look at it from a positive perspective. And... It's, it's really hard with Taker because he means so much to me as a wrestling fan. In my youth, it, it's I almost don't want him to come back. I want, I want Cena to show up at WrestleMania, call him out, and instead instead of Taker showing up, you have like Rey Mysterio and Daniel Bryan come out. Or, or just something. It's like, you want a match? I'll give you a match. And then that just knocks the house down. Probably, like, probably I may not be the Undertaker, but I'm Rey fucking Mysterio. Like, that would be cool. It wouldn't be the Undertaker, but it would be something almost as good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But if it is Taker, you know, I've, I, 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 just spoke about it, so it's it's a tough subject with wrestling fans. There's, it's no doubt, and it, I, it's it's hard. <laughs> it's hard with Undertaker these days. <laughs> yeah, 
But I mean, how many weeks do we have before Mania now? It's like two weeks before. It's two weeks, so what do you do? I mean, it's not even a good build at this point. Yeah. It's just name draw. It's it's no better than... I mean, look what we're getting with Roman and Brock. Roman shows up on Raw and, and is like, he's not here at work. Fuck him. <laughs> like, okay, I do that in real life. I, I don't get a match at Mania. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's just me venting. Um, but yeah, Under Undertaker, if he does show up, I hope I hope it's a good match. I really do. And I expect he'd go out on his back because he's that old school about everything. Because that's just who he is. But a lot of people would like to see him win his last match. But that's not that's not how wrestling works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, any, any last words, Rad? Any last words, plugs, and, and whatnot? Uh, no, I, I think we pretty much touched, touched base on any on everything. Uh, you know, I want to thank you for having me on the, uh, I guess, the premiere debut episode of your WrestleCast. We definitely uh, am looking forward to uh, doing more with you down the road. Uh, this was pretty fun, and I think it's a great platform to, uh, you know, talk wrestling. I, I know I, I do that on my channel, but I'm not as active, at least from the wrestling part of it. And I always felt that instead of like a... I guess the discussion video podcast just work a little bit more because you can definitely use the platform as a way to, you know, talk about everything you like, everything you hate, maybe a platform to vent a little bit about the product that you hate. Uh, I, I think this is a good thing. So again, I just want to thank you for allowing me to be on here and uh, guys out there. If y'all haven't checked me out already, um, Rad Zero on YouTube, I cover both pro wrestling and retro gaming, a uh, huge collector as well. I showcase, uh, you know, a lot of action figures, uh, trying to do unboxings of uh, video games. I have some uh, games from Limited Run Games coming up, you know, in the near future. Yeah, oh, wow. um, you know, so I got that going on. And if you guys haven't already followed me on, on Twitter, Rad083, mostly tweet anything from wrestling to video games. Uh, you know, there you have it, Rad0. Yeah, I'll put I'll put your YouTube and, and Twitter handle in the description and... Sounds good. Hopefully, I can. Hopefully, I can. I can get a pretty loose schedule here and have you back as as a regular host. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm definitely looking forward to it. Like I said, JD, I, 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 I definitely enjoyed listening to your opinions about all, all this. And I'm glad. I'm glad I got. I got a hold of you for the first one. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, so this was the Redleaf WrestleCast. This was episode one of kind of the 2018 recap before the big pay per view events. Uh, we also do retro gaming based on theme. We got an anime retro retrocast as well. You can check us out, and in uh, a modern gaming podcast, we do once a month on all the game, all the all the bigger games that came out. We, uh, me and a buddy of mine, just did the state of gaming you know, uh, from from February over over the releases and what what they kind of have. Um, it's it was a it was a very in depth discussion episode. <clears throat> it meant a lot to him. His name's Drew. His his uh his Twitch is Boogie to Ball. It's in. It's also in the description, so you can find the podcast on Podbean. That's where we're hosted at. But you can also find it on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, and many others. It's just a simple search, or you can find it on the YouTube page, which I have, which is Mushin Spiel. It's kind of a weird name at this point, but that's where all the podcast episodes can also be found. So thank you. I'm Bowling JD. Thank you again, Rad, for for joining me on this inaugural wrestling cast episode. You bet. I hope to have many more, and I look forward to Mania. Despite my neg- negativity about it, <laughs> I look forward. I look forward to Supercard from Ring of Honor, and I look look forward to New Japan Genesis, um, wh- which uh, Zack Saber Jr. is taking on Okada, and that should be a, a very different match. Um, so, 
Thank you, and uh, tune in next time. Thank you.